You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Book three. Your stepmother will soon know you are here, warned the kindly dwarfs. Do not let anyone in. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 141 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampion Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Welcome to Rampion Crew patron supporters, Caitlin and Morgan. Hi. Hi. Okay, Caitlin, I think this is your first non-Patreon bonus episode. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so do you want to take a moment and introduce yourself and then tell everyone how you found Marissa Meyer and her books? So, one way I always introduce myself is I am a black belt in Taekwondo. Damn, nobody mess with Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Right? Um, I am on the instructor team at the Tiger Rock I go to, so I help with the homeschool class. I've run like four of the classes so far um so i'm happy about that i enjoy doing that um but like you say that and like some of the instructors say that i'm like a beast at sparring but like i fall down a bunch because my balance is horrible (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I always have that when I think of my sparring, not so much the other parts. So, like, I can't really see what they're saying because I just focus on me falling a bunch. Oh. But, yeah. <laughs> I think we do that, though. Like, as humans, we always focus on, like, we're very aware of when we make mistakes, even if others aren't. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember, like, um, being coached in debate when I was in high school. And, like, they aren't going to know if you mess up. If you mess up, just roll with it. Because the audience, the audience doesn't know. What your speech is. Yeah, they don't know what your speech is. Like, just keep going. Like, just if you mess up, just keep going. And, like, you are definitely in good company with those uh, balance issues between me and Bethany. (laughs) Right? Um, Yeah. So, you know how we've had to, like, reschedule this one, like, once or twice. Um, One of them being because that day I ended up in the ER with a concussion. So, I mean, stuff happens all the time. Oh, man. I haven't even told you the best one, Morgan. (laughs) What'd you do now? (laughs) So we're in temporary, we're in like a temporary housing apartment until our house becomes available because military housing is not the best sometimes. And we have a six to nine month wait. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are in temporary housing for no more than five minutes when I busted up my lip. 
ma'am. We had carried up, because we're on the second floor, so we had carried up the dogs and the sleeping bags, and that was it. And I slipped on nothing but thin air and smacked, <laughs> I smacked my lip on the kitchen counter and then hit my head on the refrigerator. Ma'am. There's nothing here. There's no paper towels. There's no uh, toilet paper, nothing. So I've just got blood gushing down my face. And all I have oh is, gosh. like, the T-shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> and Quentin had already gone to the front desk to, like, get keys. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had to call him and be like, can you, like, turn around and stop at the truck and bring paper towels? Why do we need paper towels? Um, <laughs> no reason. I, I fell. He's like, you fell. We haven't even been here 10 minutes yet. And I was like, I think I made it under the five-minute mark, actually. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I had a very swollen lip for a few days. Oh, and that was that was right after you and I saw each other then. Yeah, that was like two days before I went to Utah for the Heartless musical. <laughs> oh my goodness, ma'am. Oh, I was just lucky it had cleared up by the time the musical came around. I was like, this is going to be me meeting Marissa, sitting next to her with my big fat lip. <laughs> oh my gosh. How was the musical? I'm still waiting oh to watch God, the recording. It was brilliant. It was so good. I can't wait to watch the recording. I want to watch it. I wanted, Marissa and I were talking, we both wanted to like immediately watch it again right after watching it. Mm-hmm. And I told them, the production crew, I said, please make a soundtrack. I would buy it in two seconds. You have no idea. Aw, that would be so cool if they got to. It's Honestly, the music, the set, like these kids are incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, no, I am. I am signed up for the live. Um, Yay, I don't me know, too. Is it the? What was it? It's not a live recording. It's, it's a virtual. Like the, yeah, the virtual. Yeah. Recording. So I'm excited. Me too. Um. So, how I got into Marissa Myers is my mom. We listened to audiobooks together, mm-hmm. and a few years ago, she decided for us to listen to Cinder. And she told me that it was a Cinderella retelling. I was like, Mom, I, I don't like Cinderella. Like, I don't I don't like that fairy tale. But, like, she made us listen to it, and now I'm very thankful. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying so, is Mom should be on the podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so we've listened to all the Lunar Chronicles, Heartless, Renegades. I had to wait for Supernova. I don't remember if I had to wait for the other parts of Renegades or not. But I know I had to wait for that. But, like, we've listened to Instant Karma. We listened to Gilded together. Um, I've read the graphic novels. She has not. She should. And, <laughs> yes. Um, actually, the first graphic novel is hers, and the second one is mine because I asked for it, and I just read hers version for the first one, but they're both in my bookshelf. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, and then we both started Cinder's Adventure, but, like, we haven't, like, read all the possible paths yeah it's a journey trying to get through all of yes. the possible paths so we're still working on that um which we did we're doing it separately and like she got to the heartless overlaps i'm just like how how do you get there i want to get to the heartless overlaps but well, like no i don't spoilers, want you to spoil but, it yeah don't spoil it but there are some really good ones in there like, I, I, I haven't gotten to it, but like, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But I'm very thankful for my mom getting me into Mercer Myers. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably make her listen to this episode to tell me what she thinks of me being on a podcast. She She can be on an episode, too. Yeah, I'm sure she's super excited for you. Yes, she is. That's awesome. And I love I love that you said like you don't like Cinderella because that honestly is me. Like I was never a fan of the Cinderella Disney movie. Yeah. Just it never did it for me. Anything Beauty and the Beast though, oh yeah, I'm there. So mm-hmm. in so like along with Beauty and the Beast, like you have a lot of red riding hoods where like the the beast or the wolf is like the beast character so it was going to the store like going to target and seeing scarlet on the shelf and i was like "Ooh, what is this figuring out it was a sequel i was like oh i gotta read the first one first oh the first one's cinderella i guess mm-hmm. i'll try it and then like absolutely falling in love i yeah. love that like your first instinct was like how much do i have to read the first one to understand <laughs> No, and then you and then you read the first one and then actually get to your Scarlet and you're like, who is this girl? Where is Cinder? <laughs> yeah. No, all of all of those feelings all at once. So we all I feel like we all understand each other so well. <laughs> I agree. So let's oh wait, real quick, I have an email to read. Sorry, I always forget about this kind of stuff. I get emails so rarely, and then I'll record like three weeks after I get the email. So I have to be very like vigilant about remembering that there's an email. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stars above, I can't believe I'm emailing the Prince Kai fan pod. What's up, guys? Oh, <laughs> I love that intro. I'm sorry. First, let me say that this podcast has absolutely changed my life. I have been struggling during COVID and after COVID with trying to make friends and deal with socializing and putting on clothes and being in the world. What is this? (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love listening to the podcast and I can't believe I'm completely caught up. How did that happen? There are so many episodes. I miss the podcast so much during the hiatus, but I'm super glad that you're back. I know you switched to doing episodes every other week, so I am begging my mom to, this is all in caps, by the way, I am begging my mom to let me join Patreon in parentheses. How cool would it be if I was already a part of Patreon when you read this email? Uh, You are, you are, and it's great. Thank you. I know that you've mentioned before there are tons and tons of episodes on the Patreon that are all bonus content. And I know each episode features a guest, maybe even a Patreon member, wink, wink. So next time you have a Patreon member on a guest, please read this email and then ask them this question. When I join Patreon, in parentheses, I'm putting this into the world in the hopes that, yes, I will join Patreon because my mom is super awesome. Wink, wink. Back to the story. (laughs) (laughs) I love this email so much. When I join Patreon, which episode, which bonus episode should I start with? And do they need to be done in any specific order? On the same note, are there any bonus episodes that you guys found super boring, even if it was hosted by Bethany? Okay, I'm gonna. I want to answer this. It's almost done. Hold on. We're almost done. Hold on. Oh my gosh. 
Can't wait for you to read this email on the podcast because then I will feel like a pseudo celebrity. Is that weird question mark? Oh, well, who cares? I know you said you like emojis. So here are my top 15 emojis included in this email. You're going to have to post a picture. I know, right? (laughs) Here are my top 15 emojis included in this email. I really hope you read this on the podcast episode. And I really hope that I get to join Patreon. Again, I think I should be a part of Patreon by the time this email comes out. I'm making my mom read it as soon as I hit send. (laughs) (laughs) Keep reading, keep listening, and please don't get glamored because I love your podcast and I can't live without it. Julia. Oh, that is so sweet. Um, First of all, Julia, I love you. This, you know, when I cry and laugh and then cry, I'm like, cannot believe that somebody cares that much about all the crap I have to say every other week. (laughs) So, thank you sending me this amazing email that made us laugh and smile and oh so much. Um, And thank you to Julia's mom because she is a Patreon member. I got an update like two days after this email came out that she joined Patreon. So. Yay! (laughs) It's so wonderful. Okay, so Morgan, bonus episode. What should she do? Not listen to Ella Enchanted. No, I edited it and it sounds great. It's really funny. (laughs) Okay. It's it's, it's really, it's actually my sister's favorite because we're a hot mess and she thinks that's amusing. (laughs) Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. I just remember, I remember us like, that was just a mood. Like that whole, that whole like 48 hours leading up to the recording and doing the recording and like, oh, bro. (laughs) That was, it was the test of a true friendship. Yes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. That was my answer. (laughs) Do you have one that you should start with though? Like, do you have one that you did like that she should listen to? Girl, do you think I remember? (laughs) I just know I've been on the other one. I knew I was on that one. So I remember it. The most popular one um, is already released. It's the one that I did with Quentin because for some reason people find Quentin like an anomaly. Oh, right. I already posted I that. that That's available to the masses. Um, so I'm looking at them right now and the top like most listened to ones, I guess, if you want to call it that, the top most listened to is the Taylor Swift, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. The selection series, which I did with Taylor, a.k.a. Renegade Anarchist. So right now, the next top one is the um, Cinder's Adventure bonus episode. Okay, the most popular ones after that are all the Twilight ones. Okay, you didn't list my favorite one, which which is is the blooper episode. Oh, girl, I forgot. (laughs) I was actually going to release the blooper episode um, for something. I was going to release it to the public and I forget why I didn't. Oh, I think I was, I think I was going to save it for like whenever I need an episode and life got in the way of me recording. I was going to be like, here's a blooper episode. Yeah. I laughed so much during the blooper episode one. (laughs) I think it was my favorite. Good. I'm so glad you like it because it's, it's an embarrassment for me. (laughs) It was good. Well, so much, so much of it is like roots. (laughs) I 
love it. Like, half of the blooper episode is Ruth ranting and being like, okay, well, that's a spoiler. And Ruth being like, that is not a spoiler. You think everything is a spoiler. And then me explaining how it's a spoiler and Ruth being like, well, damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's like at least half of the blooper episode. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Which is fine. That and then my favorite part of the blooper episode is me trying to <laughs> instruct Quentin <laughs> on, on how to do the creepy wolf voice. <laughs> oh my god, that that is still my favorite my favorite <laughs> moment ever recording because I like I could not hold it together. I was losing my mind because I had like I had to I had to mute myself because yeah. like, she's working she's working with him and I'm just dying. Absolutely dying. Oh my god, that was so great. So for context, um met like probably almost two years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Morgan and I did an episode and it's the episode where Cinder is in the pub in Ryu trying to find Scarlet and her grandmother. And there's a mutant wolf guy there and he is very scary. And my scary wolf voice was horrible. So (laughs) I asked Quentin to do his wolf voice, but I gave no context. He was playing a video game. I told Morgan, hang on a second. I said, Quentin, come here. And then I said, read this in a scary voice. And he like kept messing up and he kept laughing. So I was like, okay, let me set the scene for you. (laughs) And I like explained the whole thing. I was like, she's a scared princess. You're a creepy wolf man. And he was like, what? He just started laughing. So (laughs) that's basically the blooper is me like trying to convince Quentin to be a mutant wolf and Quentin being like, stop talking. Yeah. Oh man, those were the times, bro. And Morgan got to be there live. I did. I did. That is one of my favorite memories ever. I'm glad that I get to be a part of one of your favorite memories ever. Yeah. Well, and I think too, because that was back when you used Zoom for recording, so yeah. like, I got to watch. <laughs> I got to see you guys. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, that's partly why Sarah, Patreon member Sarah, uh, feels so special because uh, she's like one of the few that's actually gotten to talk to Quentin and meet him. <laughs> so she's she's like, I met Quentin. I asked him a question once. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, so I don't know if I have any favorite. You know what? I liked the Princess Switch episode just because I really like those movies and it was fun to talk about them. Mm. So maybe that would be fun. my favorite. If I have a favorite. I don't know. I know I'm going to have a new favorite soon because in a couple of weeks I'm going to record a Clueless bonus episode. Ooh. <laughs> and I love Clueless, so I'm really excited for that one. That'll like, be fun. Like I love when I message Patreon people and I'm like, hey, it's your turn to do an episode. Do you have any like bonus content that you would want to cover? Because it's like sometimes it's like a movie I've never seen or something I've never heard of. And sometimes it's like something I forgot I loved, which is Clueless. 
Nice. Like, as soon as she was like, oh, can we do Clueless, the movie? It's this movie from the 90s. And then she proceeded to explain the movie to me. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, honey, I'm, as old. I'm in my 30s. I'm very aware of what Clueless is. <laughs> so there's that. Really, really um, exciting that I'm going to record that soon. Um, and then there are tons of Twilight episodes because I couldn't stop. We There was a request to do one, and then the Patreon member's mom wouldn't let her record, which is understandable and totally fine. Um, she had bad grades and got in trouble, and that was her punishment. So I decided to record it with my sister, Lindsay, who is a huge Twilight fan. Um, and we basically did like a commentary episode while we watched the movie and, um, all it did was reveal that I actually do like the movies. I didn't think I did (laughs) (laughs) talking about it, like scene for scene while I'm watching it. I was kind of like, Oh, this is actually a really good movie. So, um, I think we've done the first three and I feel like we're supposed to do the next one at some point. We'll get to it. So those are on there, and those are fun. Morgan doesn't have a favorite because she doesn't listen to bonus episodes, I guess. <laughs> I've listened to them, and, like, you keep mentioning them. I'm like, oh, I remember that one. I wasn't kidding. I don't remember. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I'm not pulling up the pod. Like, I'm not pulling up the Patreon to go look well, at the videos. Actually- I literally don't remember what's on there. I don't remember all of them because it's been three years. By the time this comes out, you guys will be able to know. But um, in like 12 days from recording this, the podcast turns three years old, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, So what else is on here? We did a bonus episode on Red, um, the Taylor's version Red, which came out November 19th. We did an episode on Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, the book and the movie. Uh, Into the Woods, The Princess and the Frog, the Princess Diary movies, Lemonade Mouth, Live Action Cinderella, the Selection Series, a Valentine's Day Taylor Swift episode where we talked about songs that we think apply to TLC ships. Hercules, Bella Enchanted. (laughs) <laughs> oh good point. which i think was better than you give it credit for um ever after which i did with becca shrek which i did with ashley anastasia uh ruth and i did one on podcast recommendations halloween town movies there's like a two-hour episode lena darling and i discuss pride and prejudice and a bunch of adaptations of pride and prejudice and it's very long uh, a bonus episode we did when Taylor was like, hey, here's Folklore, the album I made during quarantine. Uh, and Instant Karma Chapter 1, and I think that's it. Oh, we did a bonus episode. Leah from Why Book Chat and I did a bonus episode on um, the prologue for Gilded because it was released early. And at some point, um, I need volunteers, but at some point I would like to do bonus episodes on all of the deleted scenes from the Lunar Chronicles, but I also thought about doing those um, for the whole podcast and not just on Patreon. So, yeah. I feel like that should be a whole podcast thing. Yeah, I think it would be more fun. I just need to find, like, make sure that everyone 
that I can share the link for all of them on social media so everybody can go um, and read them. And I just remembered, I'm actually going to be doing a bonus episode for everyone um, next week, because if you listen to a couple episodes ago, I begged the universe for a fan fiction of the scene where <laughs> I, I write Cinder's speech. He helped her write it, which we all know means that Kai wrote it. Yes. So I asked someone to write a fan fiction and my Patreon did not disappoint me. Sierra wrote one. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's magic. It's beautiful. I love it. And she is going to record a bonus episode with me next week. So that's going to be coming out soon too. And that's going to be available to the masses. So I'm super excited for everybody to read. It's so funny. (laughs) I love that. So what else do we do on my podcast? <laughs> Let's talk about what you're currently reading. I don't want to talk about what I'm currently reading because it is not age appropriate. Okay. So we're going to skip me. What about, okay. what, are you watching anything on TV? Have you heard about any new books you want to recommend? Or any books that you want to read that you're looking forward to reading? Oh, Yes. I am, uh, I host a book club with my work and our book this month is actually, um, the Cinderella retelling that Julie Murphy just wrote. <gasps> is the shoe fits. Yes. Yes. That one. Super so excited we're going to, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to read that one. And I'm super excited. And like, um, Bethany and I, Bethany and I and Ruth all, um, got to meet Julie like multiple occasions recently. Yeah. We um, have to have a picture with her too. Yeah. So she was super amazing, super awesome. Um, and like, I'm really excited to uh, read that cause I really enjoyed dumpling. Um, so I'm really excited for this one. I'm excited for you. Yes. Okay. Caitlin, what are you currently reading? Um, so I'm reading, like, six different books. That works. Um, one of which is Cinder's Adventure. I need to finish going through and reading it. But, like, I have to take notes of which chapters I'm going through because it's a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, I had um, to do that, too. And, like, I have to be in the right mindset to do that. Yeah, so it's, not, it's not like you're just sitting there reading. Like, you have to be actively... Yeah. Yeah, I get so that. I'm also reading Shadow and Bone, which is the first book in the series. Um, okay. By Leibar Dugo, right? Yes. So it's in the same universe as Six of Crows, which I actually read the Six of Crows duology, and I just finished that like a couple days ago. Same. And then I was like, oh, I should probably read the other books in this universe. So I started Shadow and Bone. Um, then... A book club book I'm listening to with my mom, that's our current audiobook because she wanted to read it too, is Fahrenheit 451. <gasps> yay! Okay, you say yay, but it is very hard for me to like this book. Aww. Which is fair. It is fair, but it's also like such a good cautionary tale. Yes, because like I started out not liking it at all, and now it's starting to like not me being disliking of it and I'm kind of being annoyed at it mm-hmm. no longer being annoying to me I don't know if that actually makes sense or not mm-hmm. you're 
you're not annoyed or like you're not frustrated with not understanding the story anymore. You're frustrated with you understand it and like the, the fact that, that the context and like yeah. the fact that these are things that are like a legitimate concern. Like it learning about that is, is very frustrating. Like, yeah. Because, like, I don't want to like the book, but I'm starting to like it. Mm-hmm. So, going through that path. Um, then I just started re-listening to the Percy Jackson series this morning. I already got, like, an hour in. Um, in the first book. Because I listen. So, Bethany, I do have to tell you something uh-huh. about your podcast. Okay. So, I started listening, like, last year. So you already had a bunch of episodes out. Okay. And so I was like, I was listening to it along with Cinder and I like got a bunch of chapters in on Cinder. So I just finished it and started listening. I got to the point where I listened to like an episode a day, which I thought that was very good. I wasn't listening to like audiobooks at all. (laughs) So when I caught up on the podcast, I was like, I can finally listen to a bunch of audiobooks. And since I got this many episodes in in this many days, I'll finish a bunch of them. And like, I haven't been able to finish audiobooks. Like, I, it's been. <laughs> but like, I want to, but like, I listen to part of it and then like my hold runs out from the library mm. and then I just don't reborrow it. That would cause me yeah. a lot of anxiety. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think with audiobooks, like, if it's a good audiobook, you find a reason to listen to it. Like, I listen to audiobooks while I'm doing things. So, like, yeah. mm-hmm. running, walking, grocery shopping, uh, cleaning the apartment, folding laundry, crocheting. So, like, if it's a good audiobook that I want to keep listening to, I'm like, oh, no, I guess I have to walk an extra mile today. Yep. Like, um, so I think really with audiobooks is they are convenient, but it's also like when you're listening to it, that's what you're doing. So you have to like entertain your your body in a physical way, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I personally I've gotten to the point where I can't be sitting at my desk and not have something going. So mm-hmm. like I like I feel I f- basically I feel like I'm naked like if I don't if I'm not listening to something I'm like I feel really uncomfortable right now I need to turn an audiobook on I need to listen to something um for- music anything reruns yeah. with friends yeah I can't yeah the silence is the only time that I value that kind of silence is when I'm writing Mm -hmm. So I have to have music on while I'm writing because it helps me tune into my story. So like Mm -hmm. I I do not do well with silence. That's literally the only even when I go to sleep at night, like Morgan and and I had to share a hotel room. So she's aware now. Um, But like I can't sleep in the quiet. I have to have the TV on when I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I luckily um, like once I'm asleep, like I'm asleep, like. It don't yeah, when I'm asleep, I don't move. I know that freaks people out. <laughs> but I literally just, I get in my comfort position and I, I don't move. <laughs> I remember when we did sleep at the hotel, Ruth mentioned that. She was like, do you know you don't move in your sleep? And I was like, oh, I know. And she's like, it's really weird. 
Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, they like toss and turn, they flip their pillow. Like, but once I get in my position, I just kind of stay there. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no reason to move. If you're comfy. No, exactly. Um, so I am currently reading multiple things. Um, I am a guest on Barely Bookish podcast with Rachel to cover Emma by Jane Austen. So she and I have been doing like um, a few chapters and episodes. So I'm kind of reading that, but I'm stopping whenever she and I stop recording. So um, I'm also reading, well, I'm listening to the Crave series by Tracy Wolf, which is, I thought it was like a knockoff Twilight. I'm learning that it's better. Um, <laughs> so here's what I tell people. It's Twilight if the werewolves are dragons and Bella had a backbone. Ooh, dragons. So if you slightly liked Twilight, but you wished Bella had had a spine and her own ambitions and didn't tolerate anybody's bullshit, then you should read this series. It's really good. The audiobooks are great. And then I'm also reading my critique partner, Abigail Spagari. She has a Wattpad if you guys want to go read it too. But I'm currently reading the new draft of her new book, which she also posted to her Wattpad account. It's called The Princess and the Guard. Ooh. Big congratulations to Abigail because it has 48,000 views, which is super, super exciting. Wow. That's awesome. So everybody go read that. Um, I'm. It's a six-book series, and I'm reading the fifth book right now because as her critique partner, I get to see it early. Ooh-hoo. The only other thing that I'm reading, I'm not really reading, but I'm working on uh, my book. I'm, I, redra- I rewrote the entire book. I basically threw away what I wrote and rewrote the whole thing. So now I'm reading through that and changing a million things in it, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a writer question for you. Sure. What, do you like editing your own story? Yes. Okay, we're um, opposites then. Yes and no. I'm kind of a perfectionist. so Same. I but like I, editing because I feel like it always gives me an opportunity to improve. But that's partly why I have a critique partner because otherwise I'll never be like satisfied or content. So, like, there's there's definitely times where I have to email Abigail and be like, are you sure this scene is okay? What if I did this or what if I did that? And she's like, no, just leave it. Move on to the next one. It's fine. So, my thing with editing is I like editing for, like, my friends if they have a paper or something. Like, I, I will happily edit that for you. When I have to edit my own stuff, I, I really don't like it. I would recommend getting a critique partner. Um, because they can help you focus on what actually needs to be edited and they can, you know, assuage any insecurities you might have about a specific scene or character or something by telling you like, you know what, this is fine. Don't edit it. You should put your effort into this instead. Yeah. Are you on the Discord? Yes. Okay. There is a writing section on the Discord and I know a couple people have found their critique partners by utilizing that. So I would recommend that you go to our Patreon Discord and just reach out and see if anybody wants to help you edit or become your critique I mean, partner. I will happily take editors. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, like, I knew that Abigail wrote a book. I knew that she was on Patreon. 
And I loved her book series, Daughter of the Moon. It's an amazing series. I absolutely loved it, especially the audiobooks, which are narrated by Amanda Garrison, were phenomenal. So I actually emailed her myself and was like, hey, I've been working on a project and I was wondering if I could get you know, your feedback. I know you're probably really busy, but like from one author to another, I'd really love your input. And the more she and I got to talking, the more it was like, you know, we're kind of already critique partners. Maybe we should (laughs) call each other that. So yeah, now Abigail is probably, I think she's the first person that reads everything. And right now she's literally the only person in the world who has read my new draft. So Uh-huh. I have that friend. I have a friend that's read everything in my trilogy, but like my mom's only read like the first couple of chapters. I'm very and hesitant to like let my mom read mine. She really wants to, but, um, like, but so. I just I she, my mom can. I love my mom, right? But <laughs> she can be extremely critical, and I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm not like a <laughs> headspace where I can handle that right now. So uh, I told her she can read it when I'm capable of hearing her opinion. <laughs> yeah. so, me and my mom are both very book people. And like, I want her to edit it because I know that she can edit it and it will be good for me to have more than one person's critiques. Right. So, but I'm also very stubborn. So if you end up being my critique partner, just keep that in mind, please. <laughs> it's okay to be stubborn. It's okay to like fight for your story and advocate for yourself. And, you know, yeah. don't think of it as being stubborn. Think of it as like, look, I really want to keep this part of the story. So instead of saying, take it out, can you help me find a way to keep it in? Um, which I think is like 50% of being critique partner is just like reaching out and being like, look, this scene is great, but it has no business being in this book. And maybe you can find another book to put it in. Maybe you can find another section in your book for it. Like you just have to figure out what's going to work best for the story you're trying to tell. So I'm thinking of the first book I wrote and me and my mom, we have like a green screen and we did like pictures with like my toys and it was actually like a book book. And whenever I read it, I'm like, why was I so stubborn with you not with you fixing my grammar, I should have just let you fix this because now I know better and it's just so... It's always hindsight. Yep. But I still enjoy it. I just wish I wasn't as stubborn with her fixing my grammar. It's just a matter of, like, you know, figuring out... Figuring out that, like, sometimes grammar is... Like just someone, you know, like maybe think about it like this. Maybe you colored a picture, right? Like you drew in a book and you colored a picture and somebody went behind you and they just grabbed an eraser and they only erased the parts where you went over the line. That's all grammar is. They're just double checking that you crossed your I's, you dotted your T's, you know, making sure that you followed the recipe exactly right. Um, And also keep in mind, it doesn't have to be like perfectly grammatically correct. It's a story, not an essay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there's like a glaringly obvious grammar issue that ruins the story, maybe, but or takes you out of the story, I guess. Um, But I, I mean, for me as a writer or as a reader and a writer, like I just gloss over it and get back to the story. Morgan, I think it would bother you. So I kind of have a different opinion on that um I have uh spelling issues myself 
mm-hmm. personally. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have very good grammar. Um, I don't understand a lot of times the correct punctuation of where my comma should go. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge somebody for that. Like, oh, you also have- because like, I remember when we read Ella Enchanted and you yeah. were like trying to pronounce all the words and I was like, I just glossed over it. I was like jibber jabber and moved on. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so for me, the other thing to keep in mind is um, you're not always going to have somebody reading it. You're going to have those people who, um, so I actually use the Alexa app on my phone and Alexa reads the eBooks to me. So, um, so that is a lot easier for me sometimes, um, because I just get through books so much faster doing it that way than I do with reading them. And then, so listening to them, I'm not going to notice the wrong punctuation. I'm not going to notice if you spell the word wrong. Like, I'm not going to notice that. And like, if you do read it, like if you do read it with your eyes, like maybe you'll stumble for a second. But like a lot of times, even if you missed a word, like our brains are so smart. Our brains will just put that word in there. Yeah. Like we know what word it should be and you can just like gloss over it. And, um, I mean, for some people it might be more difficult, um, but give yourself grace and like understand like no one is perfect. And if somebody is going to completely judge your work just because like you don't have the best grammar, maybe don't deal with their opinion. Like, <laughs> I'm notorious, I think, for being really chill and lax when it comes to reviews and stuff like that because like my thing is like life is not that long it's really not Mm -hmm. so if you wrote a book and I read that book and I enjoyed the nine hours 12 hours 16 hours I spent reading that book or listening to that book it's five stars yeah you tell me to like critically compare like Marissa Meyer to Stephanie Meyer obviously I'm probably gonna be like okay well you know, Stephanie's probably a three and Marissa's a five. But like in that moment, when I finished your story and I've connected with your story and I've enjoyed the story and I've enjoyed the characters and the plot and the setting and the growth, I'm just so happy and like elated at it that it's a five. And, mm-hmm. you know, even being a writer, even being a person who values and appreciates grammar, I don't really care when it comes to a book. Like I said, I mean, if this isn't an essay, it's not academics, like it's just the stuff that I look for when I'm talking to my critique partner is like, you know, I wanted this character to come off in this scene as feeling shy. Did you get that as a reader? Or in this scene, I was trying to emotionally uh, impact the reader. Did you feel that? Or do you think I explained well enough in this scene what happened? Like that's the kind of stuff I look for in a critique partner because grammar proofreading, I can get that anywhere. I need actual feedback about the characters, about the setting, about the plot, about the book. Like I need to know, were there any like gaping holes? Was there anything you didn't like? Was there anything you did like? Was there like a specific scene or moment in the books that just really impacted you that you just really liked? Like that's the kind of stuff I think is great for a critique partner because you can, anybody can proofread and Grammarly does a great job of doing that for you. 
yeah, no, like, I feel like as long as the story, as long as you get your story across the way that you want to get it across, like grammar's neither here nor there. Yeah, cool. I agree. I, I will say plot holes, plot holes will drive me up a wall because mm-hmm. I, that's all I'm going to focus on. But grammar, I could care less. <laughs> all right. Thanks for y'all making me feel better about my <laughs> writing. <laughs> You feel better. Okay, what else do we do on this podcast? Fan Art Friday. Sure, Fan Art Friday. That sounds like something we do. Actually, I'm super excited for Fan Art Friday because... These are gorgeous. This is so cool, you guys. I was desperate this week. I was trying so hard because I was like, somewhere, somewhere in the universe, there has to be some fan art of Maha Kesley. Um, and I found one a few months ago, and then this is the second one I found. This was posted by Apricate98 on TLC Wiki, and it's Maha Kesley, and she looks perfect. I love it. I love it. I love her eyes. Her eyes look so big and warm, but you can still t- tell like the the toll that this life has taken on her. So then is this next one supposed to be Baby Wolf? No, I forget. Did I not put on there? It's Ran. No. Oh. I wanted to. I didn't put it on there. I'm sorry. Uh, the next <laughs> one is also by Abrocate98, and it's Ran. Um, and that's just because we never had any fan art of Ran, and I saw it, and I thought, you know what? Might as well. Sh- now's as good a time as any. Yeah. No. Oh, my goodness. I so I feel so weird looking at him now. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that away. <laughs> he's he's a hot and it makes me uncomfortable. Hey, sometimes the bad guys are hot, okay? <laughs> Did you watch Charmed? <laughs> Cole, I was I in love, love with Cole. I loved him so much. You cannot convince me he wasn't good looking. But oh he gosh. was the bad guy. Wait, which character from Charmed did she say? Cole. I watched Charmed a little, like, a few years ago. Like, we watched the first couple of seasons, me and Mom. Who was the demon that Phoebe fell in love with? Phoebe and 15-year-old Bethany. Oh, (laughs) right. Okay. Phoebe and Bethany were both in love with him for a while. We had issues. They were soulmates, (laughs) and you can't change my mind. Um, but no, I think these are really cool. And I, I love that they kind of look like a photograph and a drawing. They're just that lifelike, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that Rand's eyes, if you pay attention, they're kind of green. Yeah, so they, but that's why I was... They're not like as vibrant as wolves, but they're definitely still green. That's why I was wondering, because like I, I'm not in the best lighting. I was like, okay, her eyes are clearly brown, but his eyes look green. So I'm like, is this baby wolf? Like... But no, being it's Rand, that makes brother. Sense. Yeah. Ah, oh, they did a fantastic job, and I love like I love that they you can see like they have the same nose, and like yeah. oh, that's fantastic. And their eyebrows, I think, look kind of similar too. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they um kind of they're very expressionful. Is that a word? Yeah. They're very full of expression. See, you guys knew what I meant, even if it wasn't grammatically proper. Yeah, exactly. 
You got your point across. It's all that matters. Right? <laughs> so big thank you for letting me share those. And remember, you can submit any artwork to princekaifanpod at gmail.com or contact me via Instagram. Um, next, we have song titles from last week or last episode. Um, chapter 37 is False Pretense by Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Chapter 38 is Power and Control by Mariana and the Diamonds. I forget who it was, by the way, on Discord that was like, why are we having all these emo songs? <laughs> um, one, I am obviously going through some emo right now in my life. <laughs> two, I like emo music, okay? When I was a teenager, that stuff was cool. And yes, I had black hair and lots of eyeliner, and I thought that I was misunderstood and the world <laughs> owed me something. So, Bethany, I like I- emo music, and I'm not going to apologize for it, so... Did, yeah. I, did, I send you, did I send you the meme that I saw the other day? I don't think it was so. like... Us older emos are now senior citizens. <laughs> I was dying. Like I wanted, so I drove to the North Texas Team Book Festival. It was a nine-hour drive. Um, and when I'm driving for that long, I go back and forth between like audiobooks and podcasts and reading and listening and things like that. So um, I was like messing around on Apple Music because I have Apple Music. And on my recommended list, it was my nostalgic emo heart. No, wait, no, what was it? My my nostalgic emo heart will bleed for this playlist. <laughs> and my brain saw My Chemical Romance and Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and Fall Out Boy and Hawthorne Heights. And I was like, yes, play now. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, you will notice my songs choices for today's episode also reflect my current listening which is like early 2000s alternative rock so like I feel I feel that I feel that yeah I go like in and out of phases of what type of music I'm like in the mood to listen to Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of what you'll get if you're listening to my apple phone anyways because it's got everything from Ashley Simpson to Metallica to the Twilight or the yeah Twilight soundtrack Frozen soundtrack like there's all kinds of crap on there so Disney if, songs uh, yes <laughs> let's talk about this week's chapters last week we left off with Kai and Lavana recording propaganda and releasing it to Luna and Lavana finally locating Cinder. We are at the start of book three. Book three. Your stepmother will soon know you are here, warned the kindly dwarfs. Do not let anyone in. We're in Cinder's perspective, and the Lovana's video has been playing on a loop. They're all on the third floor of the regular factory, and Cinder is wishing Cress was there because Cress could turn off the video. Like, and I got real sassy in my notes. Uh-huh. I was like, maybe you should wish Cress were there so that she wasn't being tortured in Artemisia. Sender. Priorities. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> I, I just have to say, like, I'm sure that she's thinking that. Like, I'm sure she's thinking, oh my god, I'm, I'm so worried about my friend. But, like, 
in this instance, it would be really nice to have like a tech person. Like she's not discounting the importance of like Chris as a person. She's just expressing like, Oh, it would be even better. Like number one, that we had her here with us because we love her and we want her safe. But like two, like she could like just get this done and over with. So that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Okay. My solution then is add one extra sentence where Cinder feels guilty and wishes <laughs> that Cress were also there so that she would be like safe and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's my solution. Yes, I agree with you, Bethany. It's the same as like <laughs> it's the same as like when Scarlet was in yeah. the zoo. And it's yeah. like when she was doing all this nice stuff for people in Artemisia that are mistreated. And I'm like, that is really nice, but like Scarlet is sleeping on the concrete, so can she have a blanket? Yeah, fair. Like, and I definitely got a lot of like heat for those for that commentary, and I get that. But also, it's my podcast, and this is my opinion. I agree with you. (laughs) Completely fair. (laughs) Completely fair. Like Scarlet, Winter should have done something for Scarlet. Like, I agree with you on that part. Thank you. I feel very heard. <laughs> I mean, she could have at least got the girl a change of clothes. I mean. Yeah. I really, it's mostly the sleeping thing. Has anybody ever slept on a concrete floor besides me? It's grotesquely uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, can she at least have a pile of hay? It's a zoo. <laughs> Ryu has a pile of hay. I mean, fair. <laughs> Anyways. So <laughs> I love, like, I think I wrote in my notes, Motley crew. I love this group of people. There's like a few residents and then there's Scarlet, Wolf, Thorn, Igo, and Maha. And this is like Cinder's crew. This is her group of people that are assisting her with her revolution. And I just, it really cracks me up. Like just seeing the idea of like Cinder at top of this like factory Remember a couple of books ago when Cinder was like a mechanic and <laughs> she was like, I hope nobody notices the grease stain on my face. And now she's like leading a revolution in a regular factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I actually, um, I had made a note about, about Cinder mentioning that she literally needed space from like all the rest of the citizens. Like she's glad just to have like this small amount of people around her right now. Because, like, being around everybody else, like, she needed room to breathe. Like, she's a normal girl. Like, yeah, she, this is not something she's used to. And she's, I mean, she's learning on the fly. And we all know who Cinder is as a person. And, like, (laughs) socialization is not our girl. No, it is not. I agree. And I think it's just so fun for me, like, as a reader to, like, I don't know. Watch her struggle. (laughs) Well, like watch her struggle, but also like, I just find it amusing because it's, it's just so uncender like Mm -hmm. it's like as uncender like as you could possibly get, because this is only like, it's like November and cinder started in August. Mm -hmm. So it's like just such a huge change in a, in a person in like three months. Yeah. Because YA books always happen in like three months. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of them ever last like two or three years. It's all like right now, right now. Yep. Well, I mean, they got to stay teenagers, right? I really want to read a YA book about like a 70 year old woman who like gets bored at a nursing home, discovers she has powers and saves the world. <laughs> all while, like, with her walker, her glasses on a necklace. Like that's the book I want to read. I'm so like, somebody go write that. <laughs> I think it's like a grandchild, like trying to like help, but like, because it's always like a 16 year old and I'm all yeah. in my brain. I'm like, I love these books, but like, where are the adults? Mm-hmm. You know what though? I say this and I have met some incredible teenagers over the last months. There's a group of teenagers in Texas fighting the trans ban. There's a group of teenagers in Florida fighting for the right to read certain books that include like racial inequality. There's this incredible group of kids in Utah that made the Heartless Musical entirely by themselves. So like, maybe teenagers are capable of a hell of a lot more than adults, if nothing more than because they haven't been stomped down by the reality of the world yet. That's fair. So sidebar question on this. Okay, so what makes it YA? the main the age of the main character or the demographic are you asking from a librarian perspective yes both of those things okay so what makes it ya or young adult i should say um it or any age group is what is the age of your main protagonist what is the age of your target audience okay So that's why like a lot of people, and I've had this conversation before, they'll tell me like, oh, well, the writing's not that sophisticated. So I think this is a middle grade book. No, that's not how this works. The writing, the the level of writing or skill of writing that you evaluate a book on has nothing to do with if it's young adult, middle grade, child reader, new adult. Um, New adult is a difficult one because Mm -hmm. basically... People are putting new adult, anything YA that has anything like adult content or graphic content in it, they're like, oh, that's new adult. But the problem with that is that that means that people associate everything in new adult as having graphic content, and that is not the case. Yeah. I think think because also because new adult is so new, uh um, and it like YA really got the boom with Twilight. Like, I don't think there was really such a thing as young adult marketed books before Twilight. Um, but uh, we've had what, when did the first Twilight book come out? Like early 2000s? 2005, 2006. Yeah. So we've had 15 years of young adult being built up to what it is. And now we have like the understanding of what it is. So I feel like new adult is still trying to find its footing. Um, and yeah, you had a lot of people who didn't want to call their books new adult because the ones who were using that category first were more of the, um, romance authors who were having like college age characters who may have been in like intimate situations. So So they don't, they don't want this, basically the stigma of it being that. So I think because like my main protagonist is 19. Yeah. 
So she wouldn't be considered a teenager in terms of like 15 or 16 years old, but mm-hmm. there's nothing graphic in my story. So yeah. I don't want someone to be like, oh, it's new adult. So it has like adult scenes. No, it doesn't. Yeah. She just happens to be in that age group. Yeah. So it, it's just going to need to like the genre itself needs to level out more. Um, and I mean, stuff changes all the time. Like it does. It does. And, and just for context, just from a librarian perspective, the first technically young adult book was by Maureen Daly. It came out in 1942. Mm-hmm. It was the first book marketed towards teenagers that had a protagonist who was a teenager. It's called 17th summer. Mm-hmm. And actually the YA boom happened in the seventies. It's considered the golden age of young adult literature. Oh, really? Yeah, because in the 70s, you have nothing but YA fiction. Valley High, stories from the underground, Ellen Conford, um, Cindy C. Bennett, just countless authors. And up until that point, you had hardly anything that was targeted at 12 to 18-year-olds. And then 60s and 70s, boom, you have all this stuff like uh, The Contender, The Outsiders. A lot of those books are targeted towards teenagers. Hmm. I would say with Twilight, what I think makes Twilight special is that Harry Potter was huge. It was absolutely huge. It was probably one of the first children's books, if not the first children's book, to have that kind of magnitude within its publishing um, generation, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a book we read 50 years later and we finally appreciate the author who was ahead of their time. It's a book that was in its time. Mm-hmm. And I think that Twilight was that for young adults, whereas Harry Potter was that for um, young readers. And then I think obviously the content grew closer to a young adult standpoint, but it started out as children's. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing about Twilight is that it was very, very, very fast. The first book came out in 2005. The first movie came out in like 2007. Mm-hmm. And what made it huge was that everybody could read it. Everybody could read it. You can read it now. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a, if you're a good reader or a bad reader. If you struggle with um, expressive language or you struggle with uh, you know sentence structure or sophisticated writing or anything like that, it's a very quick read. It's a very easy read. It's a very enjoyable read, and it was available to the masses everywhere. Um, so I wouldn't say that it was the beginning of YA by any means, just because like I know the history behind it. Mm-hmm. But in our lifetime, yeah, it was huge. And I think it still is huge, you know, because like even now, even now, you and I sitting here having this conversation, mm-hmm. we were alive during the Harry Potter craze. We were alive during the Twilight craze. Nothing has happened since then that has had that magnitude. No. Nothing. Not not Hunger Games, not Beautiful Creatures, not even the Percy Jackson series, just because the movies fell very flat. Um, so, yeah, I... I I genuinely cannot think of anything that has had the magnitude that Harry Potter and Twilight had, you know, between the years of like 2001 to 2012. Yeah, definitely. And if you think I'm wrong, please email me. (laughs) If you can think of something that I'm not thinking of. Um, And I guess maybe I was thinking more like when that started being the push, like, because YA, yes, there were already books that were being written for that age group, but it wasn't 
like that we weren't getting as many because like we have so many YA books that are coming out now so many young right. adult books that are coming out now right um whereas it was so far and few between before right. so it's more, more also like keep a- in mind that like most YA readers are females mm-hmm. and that's not like a sexist comment that's just like a statistical comment mm-hmm. um and yet a lot of the protagonists up to that point were males like Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, so Twilight was one of the first series. And I mean, full series, not like just an author. Cause like Meg Cabot wrote a lot about like um, female protagonists, but Twilight was one of the first series that hit mainstream where the main protagonist was a female. So mm-hmm. that probably had a big impact on it as well. Definitely. It was written with a target audience of teenage girls and the main protagonist was a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And it works. So, and it worked and it still works. I still think, I, I know that there are definitely some issues with it. It's problematic. I would not by any means be like, Oh yeah, it's the same as Jane Austen. It's a good story. It's a nice, easy, simple read. And honestly, for people who, don't usually read books like my sister Lindsay has pretty much read nothing but the lunar chronicles and twilight because mm-hmm. she's not a big reader she would much rather get her entertainment from other sources but she couldn't put twilight down and it's because it is a nice easy read yeah and i don't know a better way to explain why that would have such a huge impact other than the fact that like even people who don't read books read twilight yeah So that's why I think it was so huge. I would also say like the biggest thing we have today that has changed young adult fiction is marketing. Mm -hmm. Nobody used to care at all about marketing young adult books. So that's probably another one where Twilight kind of changed the game. Yeah. Because you marketed Twilight and look how well it turned out. So people were like, oh, I didn't know we could market this. Yeah. They thought, you know, they thought like, you know, women's fiction, mystery fiction, horror fiction. They put a lot of value on those types of readers, which there is a lot of value in, mm-hmm. but teenage readers still pretty valuable. And you know what teenage readers come to be in a few years? Adult, Adult readers. readers. So you want to target them. Yeah. And I don't think, uh, I don't think publishers really took that into consideration. Exactly. Yeah. I hope I explained that well. I feel like I rambled and rambled. It made sense to me, even though I've never read Twilight. I think it's a great book. I think you should read it. I just don't think you're going to walk away from it being like, man, that was life changing. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I put it on par with like guilty pleasure made for TV movies. Yeah. I freaking love the princess switch movies. They are my happy place. I also <laughs> love Vanessa Hudgens and you cannot convince me not to, Yeah, but it's not going to win an Oscar and that's perfectly okay. That doesn't mean I enjoy it any less. Yeah. Yeah. Which now I think my mom's going to make me listen to it with her just because of this. Because I know she's going <laughs> to listen to it. <laughs> like, I know she's read it and, like, she suggested it to me. Anyways, do we do a podcast? We do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> okay, so Cinder sent two runners to the other sectors to say, like, hey, there's a revolution. They've got people standing guard to watch out for bad guys. They've gathered food, medical supplies. They ransacked weapons and tools. Wolf is training people in combat. It's basically a montage scene that kind of reminds me of the one in the cartoon Mulan, 
where yeah. they were like stumbling through and trying to figure out how to eat rice with chopsticks and how to fight bad guys and they just keep falling and getting hurt and messing up and then by the end of the montage they're just like brave warriors ready to go <laughs> yeah I can see that yeah so maybe my song should have been make a man out of you which is a great <laughs> song definitely on my playlist when I go for runs yeah um, the best Disney song hands down says the um, Beauty and the Beast fan um, <laughs> I, it, it is it is the best song that Disney has ever I written. I love that ever. song. Um, but uh, also with like they're doing all this training and like she sent the runners and stuff like that. Like um, Cinder also has that like so they're so disconnected from the rest of the um, from the rest of the areas. Like she knows how the video is being taken in their sector. And the two sectors that the runners were able to go to, but everything else is a mystery. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that has to be so like terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Like, is it, is it working? Like, did they believe me? Did they believe Lavana? Like uh, there's so much unknown. And um, yeah, I just, ah. I, you I, know I, what it makes me think of um, in the 1960s, President Kennedy was assassinated and this was the 1960s. You got your news from a newspaper or a radio show. Yeah. It took three and a half months for every citizen in America to be notified that the president had died. Really? We would have that information in three and a half minutes now. Yeah. But the magnitude of understanding like the limited amount of communication between these sectors yeah, I think that that's like, especially like because we live in an age where information is at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Updates, news updates, weather updates, celebrity gossip, you can get it within seconds and it will be posted somewhere by someone within seconds, right? Yeah. And to know that that information is being spread through these sectors in like a grassroots movement where people are like literally running to the next town to be like, Hey, did you guys watch the news? Yeah. Like that. I just want everybody to let that sink in. Like that is how little communication there is between these sectors. But I do love the idea of like Bob running to (laughs) running to like the wood sector and being like revolution. And then Jill being like, hell yeah, revolution. And so like Bob goes home, but then Jill goes to the next sector and tells Amy and then Amy goes to the next sector and tells William or something like I just love the idea that like it just goes from you know like it's like the telephone game yeah I was just gonna say that I was like oh we're playing telephone how else do you get that information out you know you can't just like make a TikTok and wait for it to go viral exactly so you said Bob did you mean like Omega Bob (laughs) (laughs) oh my god my go-to boy name and Jill is my go-to girl name if I'm just like saying a, an example or colloquialism but I forgot about Omega Bob like walk around the opera house and light the candles no as soon as you said Bob I was like 
Omega oh. Bob. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Everybody should go back and listen to the episode where I decided that the candles in the opera house were lit by Omega Bob during his initiation and <laughs> all the other wolf guys kept running around blowing out the candles and being like, oh, Bob, you missed one. <laughs> okay, Which is so you had canon of mine. <laughs> so you put out that request for the last uh, fan, fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this one we've pretty much written already. It just needs to be yeah, put down. Yeah, you just need to like insert dialogue and, and uh, just um, details. So I would also do an episode on that. Mm-hmm. I would want to read it. Like, I would lots of listen writers to that listen to this podcast. So you guys just get on it. <laughs> and if we can get some Omega Bob fan art, yes, please. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. I really hope that that would have, that would make me very happy. Okay, what were we talking about? We were talking about Omega Bob the Runner. Yes. <laughs> Running to and from sectors and wolf training all of the newbies. Here's their plan. They are going to go to the capital and overthrow Lavana. Yeah. That's their whole plan, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got this. That's how much they thought this out. They're like, let's go. <laughs> it reminds me of like when Cinder finally met up with Dr. Erwan and he was like, what's your plan? And she's like, the wedding. And he was like, that's all you came up with? I was just thinking that too. Like, <laughs> the ghost of Dr. Erwan just shaking his head. <laughs> I feel like we need more details, Cinder. I feel like we should, I don't know. But you know what? She's only been a revolutionary for um, two hours, so we'll give her a break. Yeah. There are a lot of logistics involved that no one has thought about. Mm-hmm. So Wolf stops what he's doing. He he does his shaggy moment. He's like, his Scooby-Doo moment. He snaps his head up and he sniffs and he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> and I wrote in my, I wrote in my notes, right row raggy. Okay. I didn't know what that was until you just said it out loud. I kept reading it. Raggy, like from Scooby Doo. <laughs> Is my age showing? No, we're the same age, Morgan. No, I know. <laughs> but like, I was looking. Like, I didn't say it out loud when I read it. So I'm oh, like, gotcha, what gotcha, is gotcha. that? Like, you gotta hear. You you have to you have to hear it for it to make sense. <laughs> oh, maybe I should insert. A uh, rut row raggy for me too, or something. But yeah. it is from back in the olden days. There was this TV show called Scooby Doo. It was about this group of teenagers because it's always teenagers. This group of teenagers who um, went around solving mysteries with the help of their dog sidekick named Scooby. Scooby, when he smelled something or heard something or realized something was wrong, would always tell his best pal Shaggy and he would say, Ruh-ro, Raggy. <laughs> so. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so that's the sound I'm inserting in my notes. <laughs> Again, had I said it out loud, it would have made sense. Well, I'm giving context, too, because it occurs to me now that people might have no idea who Scooby-Doo is. And for those of us who are older and are like, 
why is Bethany explaining this? There are some very young listeners on here. And mm-hmm. I was originally like, why is she explaining Scooby-Doo? Oh, because we're 30 years old and children <laughs> listen to this. Because we are old. And as it turns out, when you get old, things that were topical when you were young become not so topical um, as the years pass you by. Yes. It's very sad. Anyways. <laughs> Scooby, I mean Wolf. <laughs> Scooby smells someone who was on the rooftop at the new Beijing palace. I love that Cinder is like, oh, it's Kai. The f*** Cinder. It's <laughs> what? Why would it be Kai? Uh, Desperate girl. She thirsty. <laughs> she misses her boyfriend. Calm she down. does miss her boyfriend. Oh my goodness. And I mean, none of us blame her. Um, this podcast is called Prince Kai Fan Cod. What did I just say? <laughs> it's a fish. It's named after a fish called Kai. Prince Kai Fan Cod. Fan Cod. Lord. Okay. So I don't know if this is gonna make it into the episode or not, but that'll be a nice that'll be a nice blooper. Um, I don't do bloopers anymore. I just leave them in now. Oh. Awesome. Um, it's called Prince Kai Fan Pod, Bethany. Okay. Got it out. So we have this wonderful scene, um, which, which is very confusing to me and very eye opening. There's this scene where Cinder pulls out a port screen and all of the people go, oh my god, what's that? And my brain was like, they don't know what a port screen is? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's we, how isolated these people are. Yeah, and we just had that whole conversation of the, like, how they're getting the information around, so. Right. It says, a device that had stunned and awed the civilians. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of in World War Two. It's just me constantly giving out history information that <laughs> about. That reminds me of World War II or World War One. No, it would have been World War Two because that would have been the first time we used uh, air travel. World War Two, American soldiers went to every part of the earth they could to try and get a good angle when shooting at other countries. Is that the nice way of saying that? I don't think there is. Okay. And there were some countries they went to that had never seen airplanes before. So that's what that makes me think of. Also, I want to add something to the porch screen. Is it also so that they can't have something to record with? Ooh, good question. Maybe. So. I I believe it. (laughs) So with having the port screens so we're of the agreement that that would be like a cell phone right mm-hmm. yeah so um video information um communication that kind of stuff so i know cress what did she when she was when she was little what did she hack that got them information because it wasn't a port screen what did she what was it she hacked something and i can't remember what it was um but i'm wondering like i'm wondering like 
I wonder if I wrote it in my notes three years ago or one year ago <laughs> or whatever it was that we did press. Yeah. I can I'm just silence, so let me just look it up real quick. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, because they're, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to bl- blame the concussion that, like, I mean, this is who I am as a person anyway, but add that on top of it, it makes it worse. Um, okay, it says that she had found her way into getting, it says that she had access to ports and net screens. Okay. So I'm guessing it's the equivalent of, like, getting a to a computer or something. Yeah, like, the... Because, like, we had cell phones when we were teenagers-ish, right, Morgan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they anything like what we have now? No. No. We had flip phones, and you were lucky if you could get a cool ringtone, okay? So. Oh my God, if my phone rings now, I lose my mind. How did we How did we do that? I don't understand. I'm like, now I'm like, why are you not texting? <laughs> why are you calling me? I remember me? being in high school and being like, my phone never rings and all my friends get phone calls all the time. And now I'm like, why are you calling me? Is something wrong? Like, just text it. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. I think that um, they did have like the little holograms though. Yeah. Yeah. So all they get they they only get information that is fed to them directly from Lana. the crown. Yeah. This is leading me down like a rabbit hole of like, do they have like their own USPS? Like, are they really like are they are the like sections able to communicate with each other like through via letter? Like I'm just so galled down. Like I'm having so many like, like how do they get clothes and how do they get Well, yeah. everything comes from the capital, so no. Yeah, so like they, definitely, they basically get like airdrops. Dude, like hunger games? Like <laughs> seriously, that's what this is what makes me, what it makes me think of the districts. This, mm-hmm. And that's what I keep trying to say. I keep wanting to say districts. I'm like, no, it's not districts. It's sectors. But so, it's districts. It is districts. Like, it's the um, same concept. Yeah. What was next? A part that reminds me of Harry Potter movies. Which one? They just hear a scream. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, thank, no, thank you. They just hear a scream and everybody runs. Mm-hmm. So, I love that um, Cinder and Kai, or not Cinder, Lord, Cinder and Thorn. Yeah, no, she wishes. Cinder Cinder and Thorn, like, both go to the window, both look out, then look at each other and are like, you should hide. And then neither does. (laughs) They're both telling each other what to do. You shouldn't be here. Neither should you. Yeah. And yet they both stay. Yeah, no, and they both both hang around. Um, Yeah, I love that. I love, and I mean, I love any Cinder Thorn moments that they have love together. Them. Even like mm-hmm. how how brief they friendships. Yeah, no, like how how brief that is between the two of them. Just that quick, like you should hide. So should you. Like, I just love. I love that <laughs> between the two of them because they both know that the other's not gonna do it. Right. <laughs> 
So they hear a scream. They don't hide. And they look outside, and there's tons of guards, about half a dozen Thamas, and Amory just walking in like a proud prince, like, what's up? Where's that cyborg? <laughs> so I, I was thinking about that because I'm reading your notes, and, like, I'm thinking about it, and it mentions that Cinder, like, he walks in like a proud prince and is standing at the same area as she was. So it's talking about him being a proud prince, where she is really a princess and was standing there. So how dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> <laughs> like, but like, I feel like it, it was kind of, I feel is juxtaposition the right word of like her, she was standing there. She's a real princess, but she may not have been proud. Like she's scared, but then you see, Amory there and he just looks regal even though he's not a prince like I don't know I thought that I, I thought that was I would, interesting I would say that works for juxtaposition um I think it, they're normally things that are like right beside each other but like we're getting the same context from it mm-hmm. so yeah I would say that that works okay that checks out go so, I believe the librarian <laughs> that doesn't make me an expert. Um, <laughs> so Cinder decides not to hide. Uh, instead, she kind of watches it unfold. Um, she kind of, I don't really want to say like everything that happens. Okay, so here's what's up. The part that we need to discuss that bothers me is again. I feel like Cinder's being selfish, so we'll get to that, I guess. We'll let Morgan defend Cinder again. (laughs) Aha gives Wolf a hug, heads out, and Aiko is like, I'm going to go protect Winter, and Cinder immediately is like, why can't you protect me? Somebody has to protect Winter, girl. You need to learn how to delegate your people. Yep. So I'll let you guys defend Cinder if you want to, but I immediately was like, very upset that she was like, no, I don't want to lose Aiko. I need her. Yeah. Okay. Morgan, do you have anything to her best friend, but like, yeah. And I guess I didn't see it that way. I, I, I see it as basically like they're needing to be in a defense position and basically her two strongest because um she's got thorn and and scarlet they have their guns they're a good shot but up close like if she has to go down there up close they're useless to her because they can be taken over she can control she can kind of control them but still like they're more going to be more in danger they can't be stealth that kind of stuff whereas like her big guns are Aiko and Wolf because Aiko can be stealthy and because she's like, they're not going to, yeah, she's undetectable. So like, I feel it's more of a, like, ah, it would have been helpful to have her here because as we see what's about to go down, that Aiko wouldn't have been controlled like Wolf did. Like that, that's kind of how I see it. Not that she wanted Iko there to protect her, that she wanted Iko there, like, because of what Iko can do, like, in the fight that they know is about to go down. 
that they're like I trying to avoid, but they know it's My brain happen. was just like, obviously, someone needs to go protect Winter. Yeah, and so there's the opposite of if Ico doesn't go, who will and, go? Or Scarlet are kind of useless in yeah. protecting Winter. Mm-hmm. For so, the same reason. Yeah. So again, it's it, in my mind, it's those are her two big guns. Those are what she has to work with. And it's, I feel like she would have had the same response had it been Wolf Go. Like it would have been like, uh, my thing is like, obviously it has to be Iko though, because oh, yeah. Scarlet and Thorn can stay out of sight and, and kind of shoot from far away. Whereas if they're protecting Winter, they're going to be next to Winter and they're immediately going to be detected and sensed and controlled. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. it has to be Iko if anyone is going to go defend yeah. the princess. Yeah. Um, but, like, I get her hesitation. I just, I'm like, I, I guess I'm being hard on Cinder this chapter and I'm sorry. <laughs> and I mean, that's fine. Like, and every, we read things different ways. Like, we, we have different interpretations and that's, what's fun about doing this is we have those conversations where it's like, well, I see it as this way. Well, I see it this way. Right. So you, and honestly, like you could read the same book 12 times, but you're not really reading the same book 12 times. Right. You are reading because different every, every yeah, every, every time, exactly. Every time you read it, you've had new experiences between now and the first time you read it and you may see things in a different way or like, you see things that click and you're like, oh my God, I didn't see that in my first 11 readings of this book. Oh, um, for sure. So um, I also, in in this scene um, where the citizens, they don't even talk about it. They really just look at each other. They look at Maha and they're like, okay, let's go. Like they know what they need to do and they're doing what they what they can and they're going to do what they can to protect her because they know like this is their shot this they finally have their shot and they're going to do what they have to do to take it and i love that and like cinder again she's a teenage girl like we've gone through this and we've talked about it multiple times like this is just a few months worth of time but when she gets to this point so and Iko's the one that she's known the longest. Iko's the one that she like has a relationship with and a foundation with. So yeah, I get why she wants her best friend there. I'm just thinking like logistically, no one else could protect Winter in this scenario. Yeah. Oh yeah. Amory's here. We all like that, right? We love when mm-hmm. Amory yeah. shows up. Hmm. He is, or Prince that he is. <laughs> yeah. He says they're all guilty of high treason. I love this imagery of the statue of Lavana watching over Amory and his squad. Like she's giving her silent consent for this mm-hmm. mistreatment of the people. And basically, oh, they realized that the smell wolf associated and remembered from the new Beijing palace was Jericho, the red haired guard from the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Cinder tries to reach out for Amory's thoughts. Obviously, she can't because, duh. <laughs> she also can't reach out to any of her people. And this frustrates Cinder because she knows that, like, Lavana could do it and mm-hmm. Lavana would have done it. But, like, that's kind of the whole point of Cinder is, like, Lavana would have done it without asking, whereas Cinder likes to give consent. So, like, 
of course, Cinder's not going to have everybody under her control because she doesn't want them to be under her control. She wants them to be human beings with their own thoughts, feelings, and emotions that aren't hers to guide or decide for. Mm -hmm. And it puts her in that difficult position because there are so many other people who have the ability and willingness to abuse. Right. And she feels like because of that, she's not protecting them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she has five bullets. Thorn and Scarlet are armed. And that's all she has at her disposal because everybody else is going to be under Amory's control. Mm -hmm. And Amory comes out and says, give me the cyborg or you're going to (laughs) die. And that is the end of chapter 39. Yeah. Yeah. Very roundabout way that I explained everything. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about chapter titles. Okay. I'll go first. Um, So like I said earlier, when we were talking about songs, I have been in a alt rock, like early 2000s alt rock phase. Um, So as you should be at all times. <laughs> exactly. So one of my one of my favorite bands from like junior high is Papa Roach. And this song came up on my playlist yesterday or the day before, and it's Not Listening by Papa Roach. And like this one worked for me for this chapter because they've listened to um, they've been listening to Lavana's propaganda repeatedly now and she she can't listen to it anymore like she's she's not listening to it um and then one of the one of the lines in it is um so basically the um is it the chorus is that the part that repeats i don't know yes the chorus is the the refrain it's what goes back and forth it's what you hear between each verse yeah so basically the chorus is i'm not listening not anymore the more i listen the more i ignore I'm not listening, not anymore. The more I hear, the more I ignore. I'm not listening, not anymore, no. And then the first, um, you just said the word and I already lost it. Verse. Um, verse, yes, is because uh, you got to be bigger, be faster, be stronger if you're going to survive any longer. In this lifetime, it better be the right time and the first time might be your last time. Am I a failure if I've got nothing to lose? No, I'm not a failure. I've got something to prove. And I just feel like this is so much Cinder and what's going on with them in this chapter. Like she's so, she's questioning what do, what do I do? Like, do I, do I take the chance and like go down and face Amory? Like, what do I, what do I do? And I don't know. I I just thought this was perfect for this chapter. I agree. And I think it also applies to, um, Lavana in a way, not in a way that you probably want, but like Lavana is not listening to Cinder. She's not listening to the cries of her people. She's not listening to the uh, demands of her people or the struggles of her people. She is focusing on her and her goals. Um, So I think it kind of works both ways. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Caitlin, do you want to talk about 21 Pilots, your favorite band? Yes. So I love 21 Pilots. I've been a fan of them for a really long time. Um, so the song I chose was Morph. Um, so I pulled, like, a couple of lyrics. So he told me I'm a copy. 
When I hear him mock me, that's almost stopped me. While we're surrounded and we're hounded, there's no above or secret door. What are we here for if it's not to run straight through all all our tormentors? Oh, that was hard not to say it to the beat of the song. It's very difficult. I do it all the time. I did not realize how hard that was until I just tried to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt like the song and like those lyrics fit, especially with them, Amory coming in. So I felt like it fit the song, but then I saw your song, Bethany. I was like, oh, I like yours. (laughs) (laughs) They all work. Uh, I think we were all on the same genre with yeah. alternative rock. So I picked uh, Centuries by Fallout Boy. First of all, I love Fallout Boy. Caitlin and I spent a good amount of time talking about how my favorite band is Fallout Boy. <laughs> and my favorite musician is Taylor Swift. Which I agree with you on Taylor Swift. She is my favorite singer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to sing the song. The video, music video for this song is also like a gladiator replay. So that makes it even more appropriate to what's happening in the chapter. But um, it's, it's all about like, you can do what you want. You can say what you want, but this is what's happening. We are making history right now. We are going to be legends. We are going to be remembered for centuries, long after we've dead, long after we're mummified, long after you think that you have been forgotten, people will still remember this story. Um, And I think that that's exactly what's happening right now with Cinder is she could fail right now and people would still talk about hundreds of years from now the cyborg that tried to start a revolution, the cyborg that tried to change the world. So some of the um, lyrics that I especially like, it's basically the whole chorus, right? Some legends are told, some turn to dust or to gold, but you will remember me for centuries. And just one mistake is all it will take will go down in history, remember me for centuries. They are one bad decision away from ruining this revolution before it's even begun. And Amory even being there so quickly after her video played is proof of that. Mm -hmm. We've been here forever. And here's the frozen proof. I could scream forever. We are the poisoned youth. These people have been suffering for generations, Mm -hmm. basically since the Blackburn family took over the moon, which I really need a backstory, Marissa, if you're listening and you're bored and you want to write another TLC book, Please write the mockumentary of how Luna became went from a colony to a tyrant ruler dictatorship for centuries. I need this in my life, okay? <laughs> um, but they have been there. From the beginning, they've been there. They've been there just as long as the Blackburn family has, and they're suffering more than anyone else. And no one has ever listened to them mm-hmm. until Cinder. And now that Cinder is there... Now that Cinder is ready to take on her title as the princess to fight for her people in a way that no one has before, she's not going to relinquish that power. She's not going to give up on her fight for these people just like everybody else has. Um, And I think that alone is something that would be a historical event. So that's why I chose this song. Mm -hmm. That and everybody loves Fall Out Boy, right? At least I do. Exactly. So let's talk about your quotes. Um, I have to go to the email to see what. Oh, 
So uh, your quote was, she wrapped Wolf in a tight embrace. He bent down to accept it, his knuckles going white as he held her. Yeah. Um, again, I... Uh, this is just so hard for them. Like, they were separated when he was taken away as a child, and now he has to watch his mom walk away and not knowing if he's ever going to see her again. And like, he's already lost Scarlet. Oh, he already lost Scarlet once and got her back. And he went away from his mom and now he's back with his mom and he doesn't know like if that can happen again. So like, I just feel for them in that moment of she loves her son and she believes in what he's doing and helping Celine and like he loves his mother and I know that he wants to have all the time in the world that he can have with her um so I don't know this was this was just like a really special moment for me in this chapter was like that little brief embrace that they had and like again his knuckles being white because he's holding on to her as hard as he can um I don't know it's I'm gonna cry. Okay. <laughs> I know that's how I'm gonna be when we talk about my song for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Caitlin. So Bethany, you know that I was kind of going through and going back and forth between two because I sent you two previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided on one of the two. Um, the other one was the opening for the book quote. I almost did that, but. Um, what I chose was um, trying not to feel awkward about the Your Majesty part. Cinder turned back to the group. Just her being awkward and not liking being called Your Majesty, like, it, it makes sense to me. Because, like, I'm an instructor at martial arts, and, like, them saying, yes, ma'am, calling me. Like, because if you're Black Belt, they have to say Miss or Mr. your last name. Mm-hmm. And having that and being like, oh, yeah, y'all, y'all have to call me by my last name. And it took me a little while to get used to it. So, like, I get kind of Cinder's perspective. Obviously not, like, majesty part. But, like, getting used to, like, a new people calling you, you being slightly in charge situation if that makes sense a thousand percent because i have always been yes ma'am yes sir even if it's like friends of mine just because it's a habit mm-hmm. and i remember when i recorded with you for our episode on brave and you said yes ma'am and i immediately was like did i just chastise her no did I her? <laughs> what did i do and it's because like no one has ever called me ma'am and that's like so weird and, like, for me. Not that it like made me feel old, because I I know people are always like, "Oh, ma'am, makes me feel old." No, for some reason, it made me feel like I was mean to her. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? I'm so sorry. And then, like, I apologized to you for making you feel like that. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> um, I chose these people had put their trust in her. How could she abandon them? How could you abandon them, Cinder? You can't. I totally, I don't get it because I'm not a revolutionary saving the world. But I get it in terms of like, this is a scary situation. And what are your options? And everybody telling you like, you need to stay safe. You need to stay behind. And you being like, yeah, no, that's not, I'm not capable of that. We're going to take a break so everybody can hear a commercial about another podcast. 
Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. So last time we recorded, we got interrupted because I have no idea what time is or how to follow my own calendar. We are now going to attempt to do the second half of this episode, but in between recording the first one and trying to record this one, I have lost my voice. Um, So Morgan and Caitlin are going to work really hard, and I'm going to sit back and be lazy, and I'm very sorry for that. Very sorry to work. Me and Morgan are going to go off on a bunch of tangents. That's fine. That's fine. We'll we'll try our hardest to keep it together, but um, Bethany will be the captain and directing us back when we get uh, too far off. Yeah, but it's it's fun this way because Ruth got to host an episode, so now you're kind of like hosting this an episode too. Woohoo! Fun, fun. Okay, so this chapter, um, Scarlet and. I'll just give like a quick overview. Scarlet and Thorn try to shoot Amory and the other bad guys, and they succeed in injuring, but no actual casualties. Um, we lose Maha, unfortunately, um, and Cinder and Wolf are taken captive. That's kind of a summary of the whole chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, take it away, my friends. Okay, so Scarlet holding Cinder, that part, that gets me in the feels. Um, and because Scarlet starts to cry. And Scarlet is not the kind of character that you would expect to cry. So when she cries, you know that something's off. Like, that's just the kind of character Scarlet is. Um... So I felt like that was an important detail that I wanted to mention. I also thought that, like, with Scarlet, you remember when her grandmother was, um, like, being captive and stuff? Yeah. Wild horses couldn't tear her away, and here she is in a situation where, like, a loved one, wolf, is in danger. They're all in danger. And she feels the need to, like, go out there, but she knows she can't. And on top of that, she has to be, like, the voice of reason with Cinder. So it feels like a big moment of growth for her, getting to see, like, the whole picture. Yeah. And in the situations prior, it was really Scarlet sacrificing herself. So there, it was... Basically, it was her or grandma in those situations. Now it's Cinder and Wolf and Thorn and Cress and Winter and like all of these people that she loves and like 
she's having to be the grown up in this situation and I'm sure she's not happy about it. Yeah. How much do you think that's influenced like every day that every decision that she makes, every moment that she has to deal with? How much do you think that's influenced by like her knowing that her grandmother died so that Celine could have this opportunity? Oh, everything she does. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that she takes that into account heavily because it's just had so much of an impact on her, on basically everyone around her is what grandma did. And grandma was one of the, one of the like dominoes that fell into place um, back then. And now she's just continuing on the line. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. I also think that, like, I remember at the end of book two when she was so conflicted about or maybe it was closer to the beginning of book three when she was yelling at Cinder, like, why haven't you done anything yet? Yeah. I think that was the end of book two. Yeah. And she was, she was like, my grandmother died so that you could make a difference. And I wonder how often she thinks of that. Like, like in this moment, obviously she wants to go protect Maha. And I think part of her really wants, feels like obligated to also protect Winter who's alone. And oh yeah. And instead, she has to, like, remind herself, like, this is what my grandmother would have wanted me to do. Yeah. Well, and she, the amount of care and devotion that she has for Winter, and obviously, Scarlet's still going to be Scarlet. So any, any emotion that she feels or any way that she shows her, her love is going to be in a Scarlet way. So, um the things that she says to winter are all with love and all with um, devotion. Like she calls her, Hey, crazy. And like, we know that that means like, Hey, like I love you basically. Um, And seeing, seeing those things from or from Scarlet and like, then going back to like, I'm sure her and her grandma had a very similar relationship where she was she was doing the crazy one or she had to rain or she had to be the one raining grandma in from firing at the uh android salesman coming I feel like the it door. Could go either way. Like I feel yeah. like both of them were both of the people in the situation from occasion. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure they were. So I, I feel I, like I'm, that's the mark of a good relationship is like knowing when you can not like control somebody, but like knowing that you can do or say anything, right? Yeah, no, um, Ruth and I very much have that relationship I where just that. she can, she, like, we, we work together at our part-time job and, like, in front of customers sometimes we'll, like, start, not start, like, fighting, fighting, but we'll be, like, play fighting or we'll say things to each other and the customers are, like, oh, you just said that? And then we'll look at the customers, like, it's okay. She's my best friend. I can say that. <laughs> if anybody like, else was to say that, we'd be, like, throwing hands. Because real like, friends, you can 
you could you could disagree with, right? Like mm-hmm. I could disagree with Morgan or Ruth about anything and they're not going anywhere. They're going to love me anyways. And I feel like that's like the mark of a true, not just friendship, but like relationship with another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And right now with what they're going through with, um, it's Scarlet and Thorn who are trying to be the voice of reason mm-hmm. to right now, who are stay put. And when those two have to be the ones who are the voice of reason, you know something is definitely wrong. Yeah. Because Thor is always coming up with a sarcastic comment, usually. Criminal mastermind. Yeah. Can we talk like about the- what they say to her? You are the heart of this revolution. If you give yourself up now, it's over. You know what? She'll probably kill all these people down there anyway, just to make sure this doesn't happen again. That was Thor who said that. And remember, that's exactly what happened in Farafra. Like, literally, that's what happened in Farafra. Yeah. Yeah. That was so upsetting. So... And they had here, um, a hand had grabbed her and jerked her away from the window. Wolf glared down at her, sweet, vicious wolf, whose mother was down there with them. Like, he is having to be, like, he he wants to be down there too. But he knows what his mother is sacrificing, like, he knows his mother is sacrificing herself for the greater good. And, like, he... He wants to. He wants to go down there, and that he has to be the one to say, tell Cinder, "No, don't go." Like, it's just it's heart wrenching. This whole this whole part right here. Yeah, like this whole chapter is kind of heart wrenching, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. not just like the bits and pieces, but like most of it is. Well, and it's not just Wolf's mom. It's his only family left. His brother's dead. His father's dead we're given no indication about cousins or aunts or uncles or grandparents like his mom is all he has and Mm -hmm. he just got her back in his life like three days ago yeah well and um the next part that he what he says to her like him holding her and then he says no one is dying for you if anyone dies today it will be be because they finally have something to believe in. Don't you even think about taking them that away from them now. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good quote. Like that. Uh, spoiler, but that's the quote I chose for this chapter. Um, With good reason. Yes. It's chills. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly, incredibly like. The whole situation sad and getting that from him because we know like we know in the back of his mind like he's probably screaming like mom like come back or something like yeah can we talk he, about he has mom? to be the strong one can we hmm. talk about how amazing mom is maha from the very beginning is like no don't mess with my girl like immediately she even says like i don't know cinder I know yeah. my I know my queen Celine. Yeah, no, that part was. Uh, I love it, and I love and the sh- like narrative 
if anyone had forgotten why they were risking their lives for a stranger, Maha, Maha reminded them. Oh, yeah. She, she brought it all, all together. Um, as that reminder, because all of the, all of the citizens that are down there right now, they're all scared. They're all probably questioning, but her statement brought it all back to, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this. This is why this is important. Um, like, remember, remember that. So, oh, and there was Wolf and Thorn, poetic in their attempts to get her to stay. Mm-hmm. And then the next part, we hear a gunshot, and um, Wolf has clamped his hands over Cinder's mouth, um, and she like ends up covering her ears, but the um, gunshot is like reverberating in her brain, and like her her um, android parts like some will sometimes repeat things. So I think that's one of the things that ends up getting repeated for her, which yeah. has got to be like incredibly upsetting. Not to um, like make everything super depressing. But as most people know, my father recently passed away and he was in Mm -hmm. the United States Navy. So he had a military funeral. And do you guys know how loud gunshots are? Mm -hmm. When they do the salute during a military funeral, they play taps. And I swear a gunshot that close to you, it's like you can feel it with your whole body. And it's Mm -hmm. like one of those noises like... I don't even have an audio interface, and I swear when I hear taps now, which is frequently because my husband is in the military and they play it on base every day at 9 o'clock mm-hmm. for some reason, and I swear when it plays, like, the notes that lined up with the gunshots during the ceremony, like, I feel like I can still feel them physically, if any of that makes sense. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. And having that as such a regular reminder. But yeah, no, with that with that whole situation that they're going through right now, they're already high high anxiety, and then you throw that gunshot in there. Um incredibly incredibly terrifying. And um like this is where Scarlet is I think Scarlet and Thorn are like holding her down, preventing her, trying to like physically prevent her from leaving and going down there. Um, Cause I think Amory had just shot and killed someone. Um, so she's they're they're trying to bodily hold her. Um, and they're as Scarlet's holding her, like Scarlet is crying um, and like can't even wipe away her tears. Cause she has to hold on to Cinder because they know Cinder's yeah. going to go. I also think, like, this is one of the few moments where, like, I'm really glad Cinder has the gift. But can you imagine, like, visually, like, cinematically, Cinder throwing off all these people that she loves to get Mm -hmm. to her people that she's responsible for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, that would have been, 
I think that would have been even harder because she literally would have had to fight them instead of she can just use her gift and basically like move them off her and yeah they're gonna beat her butt next time they see her <laughs> for doing that um yeah physically like, do you think she could take thorn and scarlet if she used the good hand if she wasn't <laughs> using her gift because i feel like thorn yeah but i feel like scarlet's i don't know scarlet's like I don't know. Scarlet's just not like a, she's scrappy. Yeah, I feel like Scarlet could take Cinder if it was just pure, like, fistfight muscles. Scarlet could take Cinder, I'm pretty sure, even with Cinder having a metal hand. Mm -hmm. But she also has a metal foot. That is true. That, (laughs) like, like, you could just kick. Like, like all she's got to do, really, is, like, step really hard on Scarlet's foot. (laughs) And like incapacitate her. Like I feel like Scarlet, despite her better judgment and despite the whole concept of self-preservation, like her pride wouldn't let her lose. Completely fair. Yeah. Which is why Cinder would have to use her good hand and knock her out. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it's like not gonna happen. Thorn. I feel like Cinder Uh, could take Thorn, honestly. Yeah, I feel like Thorn's a lot. I feel like Thorn Thorn would just like like he just put his hands up, like just go, like (laughs) there there honestly wouldn't be a fight. It would be like just like okay, just go. I can't. Like, there's nothing I can do to stop you. Don't mess up this pretty face. Like, no, I feel like he would. I feel like you know, like when people play chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, like he'd be like, "Yeah, come at me," and then as soon as she started to like actually come at him, he'd be like, "Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it." Just kidding. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. Yeah, like oh. I just, like I imagine him putting his hands up and be like, "You want to take me?" And then as soon as Cinder's like starting to, he's like, "Don't mess with my face. Don't hit my face." Yeah, exactly. The money maker. Exactly. Okay. So. um Basically, they're all trying to comfort her to get her to stay. And um, she even thinks, like, she wishes that they would just betray betray her and give her up. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have to be the one to make the decision. Um, Can we talk about Lavana real quick? Mm -hmm. I feel like how I said you guys could lead the episode and I won't shut (laughs) up. Um, (laughs) We're just going with the flow. Um, Cinder tells the audi- the readers that the only reason Lavana wants her dead is because she knows that Cinder is Celine, which mm-hmm. is very true. But we've seen Lavana be a brilliant strategist time and time again. And I feel like this is a huge misstep on her part to bring to bring so much attention to Cinder to like give her that credibility because if it were anyone else she wouldn't take it seriously she wouldn't care she certainly wouldn't send her best bro so like I just wonder what do you guys think about how the other sectors might be responding do you think if all these other sectors see like while Lavana is taking this threat seriously that maybe they are putting pieces together like Lavana only really cares because this girl must be Celine, or do you think that that's just reader privilege that we have? I think it's reader privilege privilege that we have, and I also think that Lavana is too arrogant to 
ever think that Cinder Celine would be able to succeed because mm-hmm. this is Luna. My people love me. They're not going to follow this <laughs> supposed princess. Like she, yes, she is a brilliant strategist and like that kind of stuff. But at the same time too, she is very much her own ego yeah. and that, that has clearly been her downfall. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a fault. Mm-hmm. Of the so yeah. Pride so I think mission. Exactly. Well, and pride, her pride and Amory's pride, because in his mind, a former, former shell basically isn't going to be able to take me. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I I can handle this situation. It's just a few, like a few earthens and a cyborg and a wolf soldier. Like, it's no big deal. That was Sybil's hubris as well. And yet no one learned from her injury or death because time and time again people underestimate not just cinder but her her allies her um Mm -hmm. her people yeah her crew yeah like they're they are incredibly underestimated and um i keep saying like criminal mastermind but i always think back to the part where um they lost um they lost Cress and he's like, he is so crestfallen and like, he is so distraught basically, but like, they're thinking like, okay, what do we do now? And he like gives them the plan and they're all looking at him shocked. And he's like criminal mastermind. Like even in his like depressed state, like he, he had like, he's not just a pretty face. Like he legitimately has like his uses. So some of that is also conditioned from from the military like not to give the military credit that thorn doesn't deserve but like maybe it's not just criminal mastermind he may have only been in the military for a couple of months but those couple of months is where they condition you to think a different way to react a different way to use critical thinking a different way and one of the things that they first teach you is is service before self the many over the few um which service before self means that you dedicate your your service your um, commitment to your country before yourself that includes your family your wife your kids your husband your partner um Mm -hmm. and so i wonder if part of that is like his training and his conditioning like between those two elements that taught him because he's obviously a very intelligent person and I feel like those are just his tools, his critical thinking tools that he uses. And mm-hmm. I think that Thorne is probably like just trying to figure out the best compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. He's very capable of compartmentalizing and people don't give him enough credit because he has a pretty face who jokes around and goofs off. And yes, he makes yep. mistakes talking to you, Sarah from Patreon. but but i do think that he has a lot of character growth and development and i think he hides so much of his intelligence and his value and his contributions behind this like nonchalant i don't care attitude and so i think i just feel like he's an overlooked kind of unsung hero at least in these chapters especially Mm mm-hmm definitely um 
he again like that the scene where they lose press and he is just so like that that scene gets me every time um because you you know just like how attached he is to her and like how protective he is from her from the last time when he did mess up and he did let her get into a bad situation so i'm sure he also was having flashbacks of that um I mean, connect that with when they got the cylinder uh, at the house and he like literally launches himself across the room just so he can be closer to her, her Mm -hmm. voice and her image. And um, I think that this is also a moment to remind everyone of like, you know, he he may have been, quote, dragged along right Mm -hmm. on this mission that he's a, a very valuable player. Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. So all of all of all of the members of the Rampian crew, like they are incredibly um, under. What's the word I'm thinking? Under, not undervalued, but like underestimated. That one. That's yeah. the word I. Yeah, I absolutely. And because and if we think about it, they all have their weaknesses, but every single one of them has their strengths and their strengths are so different, mm-hmm. but in a way that complements uh, the strength of others. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So. So I do have a point about the Levana thing. Okay. If it was just some random cyborg that came to Luna claiming to be Selene and she knew it wasn't Selene, would she have actually sent Amory or would she have just sent a couple of guards? I think she would have sent a Fama and she would have sent guards, but I don't think she would have sent Amory. She wouldn't have sent her number two, especially so quickly after losing Sybil. Yeah, so that's kind of like... We meet Sybil in Fairest. One of literally one of the very first things that she did as queen was make Sybil her number two. Mm-hmm. So Sybil has been, or Sybil was, Lavana's head thama for as long as Lavana was queen. And I think after losing her, if it weren't so important, she wouldn't have risked losing Amory. Yeah, but like if I was one of the people and I saw like the second had or the head thama and i didn't think it was Celine. that would have made me think it was Celine, just because of that like yes lavana is a good strategist but if it wasn't actually Celine, she wouldn't have risked her second in command yeah because the fact that she sends amory plus did it say half a dozen thaumaturges and yeah. a bunch of guards shows mm-hmm. that lavana is taking this uprising very seriously why would she take it so seriously if it weren't a legitimate threat to her crown? Okay, here is my um, devil's advocate moment. Sure. Um, of She's already had, how many times has she lost Cinder now? Two, three times that she's been lost? Like, okay, we're going to get it this time. Let's send the head thaumaturge again. And then, like, if she's questioned, it can be, I've take i sent my head thaumaturge of the offense of this woman claiming to be my beloved niece like i take that very seriously yeah i take this very seriously and i'm not going to let that that imposter stand how many times has it been 
Okay, so we have at the end of the end of Cinder. Though yeah. you can count when she tried to kill her, though. Yeah. So when she killed, when she tried to kill her and didn't succeed, uh-huh. um, at the palace. I don't know if her escaping from jail counts as another one, but I'm going to count. I think it I'm does. Gonna, yeah. yeah. So that's one, two, three. And then at the end of Scarlet, where no, that thaumaturge of Scarlet, goes. remember she went to that tavern and fought off mutant wolves that were sent there to retrieve her. Yeah. They weren't, were they sent there to retrieve her? Oh, yeah. no, they were, they were looking for, um, Oh, well, I guess they were. Okay. So then what? That's that's five. And then six is the end of Cinder. Or the end of Scarlet. And then um, at this at the city that Lavana destroyed. And then... And Sybil. Yeah, at the end. Sybil so, almost... The beginning of Crest, Sybil almost captures Cinder. But ends up leaving with Scarlet instead. Okay, so I'm at nine on my, I'm at nine on my fingers. Yeah, and, and then ten, and then ten, and then ten in the, um, when they were like getting them off the ship, like they uh-huh. found the stowaways. So that that puts me at ten times they've already and like, like tried and lost her. And let me check my timeline, but that's ten times in three months plus the time when she was a three year old. I mean, also, once they killed Sybil, I don't know if you said that one or not. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I that was okay. the at the palace at the wedding. Right. Okay. So we're I'm talking to about like a three-month period. Yeah. So, like, it would make sense that she would be sending her head thaumaturge because this has been a pain. Like, and this person, I I don't know that it's public knowledge that she killed her thaumaturge, her previous head thaumaturge. I don't know. I just, I mean, obviously people know she died, but like, do they know how? And like, yeah, do they you know would... how many times that she's tried to capture Cinder already? I'm yeah. trying to think in my lifetime, and I can't think of a single criminal that was this hard to capture. Mm-mm. The only thing I can think of is OJ trying to outrun the police. No, he was innocent. <laughs> you know how innocent people cause a car chase? Yeah. Caitlin might be too young to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, no. that's the only, like, quote, criminal type, like, mass escape that made news and headlines and stuff. Like, that's the only one I can think of. Because um, it's just not that easy to escape repeatedly in our with our current technology. Now imagine technology that's 300 years more advanced than where we're at right now. Like, how does this girl keep getting away? Like, is she a UPS package? That's how impossible it is to get to her. Like, you'll know you'll never see her again. So, someone is still salty. Yes, I am. <laughs> I will never use them again, Morgan. Never, ever, ever, ever. I made a very special gift. I crocheted it with my bare hands. And I made it for a very dear friend of mine. And UPS lost it. And I will be salty till the day I die. (laughs) 
But I still think it was a funny joke. Oh, it was, <laughs> was hysterical, but getting the context in there makes it all the funnier. I would have been so amused because I ordered some stuff from Rare Beauty by uh, Selena Gomez, and mm-hmm. I got the tracking number, and it was UPS, and I told Quentin, I said, if they lose Selena Gomez, I'm just going to raise hell. <laughs> he's like with your measly 4,000 followers and I was like you listen to me Quentin Finger (laughs) but anyways Cinder is not a UPS package Um, she's just very slippery and um, she has lots of good friends because I don't want to give Cinder all the credit it doesn't all go to her by any means oh no up until the last I mean a lot of it was the doctor yeah, I was just going to say, Dr. Erlon had a hand in quite a few of them, too. Yeah. But, like, even with the higher tech technology, there's also spaceships, which mm-hmm. also adds new area that they have to search. Not just yeah. area. Yeah. The literal universe. Yes. Well, and then when, you're, when your hacker is working for the other side, like, that doesn't help either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she's had, well. Chris saved her a few times. Yeah, yeah, no. Chris saved her, period. Because remember, yeah. even before Chris was, like, connected with them, she had been covering their tracks. Mm-hmm. And then they met, and Cinder was like, oh, it wasn't me and my lunar gift. And Chris was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. It just reminds me of Cinder going, hide, Rampion, be invisible, conceal yeah. yourself. <laughs> like, if <laughs> I just remember Thorn like dying laughing because, yes, hysterical <laughs> to and picture that. About all of that, all of all of this was avoidable because of Chris, and yet the reason that Lavana even knows she's in this sector right this second is because she saw her on footage that Chris could have prevented had she not been lost. Exactly. I brought it back. Yes. Yes, you did bring it back. <laughs> Chris but is so important to this. She would, Chris, they would not have been able to get away if Chris hadn't if- sacrificed herself. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, Crest did, Crest did what she had to do and had to do, and is still doing what she has to do to help them from afar. And Cinder, thinking like, "Oh man, I wish Crest was here to help with this stuff," does not diminish the fact that she's also probably like, "Oh man, I hope Crest is safe." Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the only comfort that Thorne has right now is knowing that like okay according to that video she's safe Mm -hmm. but I think that video only fueled his desire to get to her more and in this moment where he's trying to keep Cinder hidden part of it is him knowing that like if you screw this up I'm not getting crossed back and I'm gonna be so mad at you right Mm -hmm. right absolutely but she does like quote screw it up she gets out of their grasp maha breaks her finger well three of her fingers right her thumb and Mm -hmm. three fingers and then cinder reveals herself and is like let maha go 
So Amory is sending Jericho to Maha's house uh-huh. to go investigate. So that's where is this where they make the decision that Iko has to go? That was last yeah, that was chapter. last chapter. So we know Jericho is going to Maha's house and that he'll probably find Winter and Iko there. Unless they get away and hide somewhere before Jericho gets there. Which I had actually made a note of, like, it says Amory is sending Jericho a thaumaturge and another person to the house. Another guard. Another guard to the house. They're sending them to go inspect that house. Um, which you would think if Cinder was actually there, they would have, like, if the thought was Cinder was there, you would think that he would have sent more. Do you guys like my notes about Cinder and Amory's conversation? <laughs> yes. Those are my notes for people who aren't on Patreon. Amory, you should have controlled your people to protect them. Cinder, nah, bro. Nah, bro. <laughs> Free will. Lovana's a tyrant. Amory, oh yeah? Well, you're you're a nobody. this is what you guys are missing out on if you don't have patreon you don't get my hysterical notes (laughs) how do you guys feel about center's um inner monologue where she says like her she feels like her rebellion was squashed so quickly in like a matter of minutes amory and and lavana's guards showed up and her rebellion was overcome almost immediately. And it's like, well, that was fun while it lasted a whole two days. Yeah. But we already know that Cinder has really low self-confidence. Uh-huh. So, like, this is definitely on par for a thought for her to have. Like, she's going to be a more of a in the moment like oh crap we're dead in the water now as opposed to like the movement is still going to be going on around her but i don't Um, think that lack of confidence is misplaced in this situation because no amory does come in and immediately take control of the situation and he's yeah. able to control all of these lunars by himself. Well, I guess he's got a few thaumaturges there. Um, and Cinder has said multiple times that she can barely control Wolf sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that lack of confidence is misplaced uh, because I, I could see how she would feel, if nothing else, maybe unprepared. Yeah, but I don't... experienced. Yeah, no, again, what with what I'm saying is not that the lack of comp I'm saying more it's more of a like looking at at the situation at this point in time instead of looking at the bigger picture of the rebellion. Yes, she may be like the face of the rebellion, oh. but she is not the be all end all of the rebellion. Right, like, right. and she said like, that didn't she say that like a chapter or two ago? She said like the the rebellion no longer be- belonged to her. Exactly. So, so that's where I was getting at. Like her lack of self confidence yeah, in, in this moment is, oh man, I just I just ruined everything. But no, it's still like 
as she's already acknowledged previously, like it's going to go on outside of her and what she does. I think the people are the heart of the rebellion and Cinder is just kind of the, the catalyst. You know, yeah. they have the flame and she brought gasoline kind of exactly. thing. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, like you said, without her, the rebellion wouldn't die. It might give them uh, like a revenge-seeking uh, ammunition that they need to even make it go further. Um, mm-hmm. And and like you said, like both of you pointed out with Lavana taking this so this rebellion so seriously she doesn't realize that she's feeding into her own demise she's feeding into this concept of of the people actually do have power because she wouldn't care this much if it wasn't some if it wasn't a serious threat yeah yeah um so amory does the worst of the worst he shoots maha Mm-hmm. He kills Maha and um, Sin- Scarlet and Thorn shoot Amory and it hits him in the thigh and I'm so upset. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want Scarlet and Thorn to be murderers, but like they're both supposed to be really good shots and I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. They're really far away though too. Like, I know. They, I know. they hit. They hit. It's not fair of me to be upset with them. I know that. I just am. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like, of course they miss. What, what kind of a book would it be if they did it, right? We have to build yeah. suspense and momentum. and uh, Yeah. Like, I get why Amory has to live for the plot. Uh-huh. Because, like, you don't want Scarlet or Thorne to become a murderer. But still, like, it's annoying that he lived. Yeah. So, yeah, no, um, he's one of the big, big bads. So definitely going to keep being annoying for a while. I always think of Buffy whenever somebody says like the baddie or big bads or something. I think of Buffy. Um, (laughs) For you young listeners, there used to be a TV show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it was awesome. Um, So... The Thamas and Amory use all of these people to attack Cinder while Wolf tries to attack Amory. Cinder Did we sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no. Did we completely skip the part of like her leaving and taking Wolf with her? I don't think so. We talked for a while about her overthrowing them and having to use her gift and how hard it was to leave her friends and But I don't think we pointed out that she brought Wolf with her. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when, yeah, when Cinder left, she brought Wolf and, um, that's probably a good thing because Scarlet and Thorn could have been controlled. Well, no, she should have been able to control two earthens, but, um, Mm -hmm. it's better to have them out of the, like, better for them to be invisible, you know, than nobody's trying to, knows they're there. Nobody's trying to capture them. Yeah. Well, and um, her, and I I think I said this when we did our previous recording, but we kind of lost that part where um, I had made the point that Wolf and Iko are her two, like, um, big shots in the group. 
Yeah, like those yeah, are we, her... had a, we had a conversation about that with the last chapter because I was upset that she didn't want to send Iko to save Winter. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, part... you guys set me straight. <laughs> yeah. So with with again with this part, her bringing her bringing bringing Wolf down, like he's uh-huh. her big gun. So she's going to bring him down and do as much damage with him that she can. Yeah, yeah. she's got Scarlet and Thorn um, shooting from afar to try and help as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah, plus I don't think Wolf would be very helpful if she left Wolf behind. He could be a liability to the others if yeah. they weren't separated. Because nobody can control him but Cinder. So if there's nobody there controlling his mind, then it's open for anyone to take. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of where this ends. Winter and Cinder, uh, they lose. Wolf and Cinder. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Wolf and Cinder lose, and they're bound to be taken away. And I love that, like, what you were saying, Cinder acknowledges, like, Cinder shuddered and had to look away. She spotted the red coat of thaumaturge she'd shot, not moving and another in a black uniform also lying not far away. That was all. Two thaumaturges and two guards killed. Amory injured. That was all she had gotten from Maha's sacrifice and the brave deaths of two other innocent civilians. Cinder was more angry than afraid, feeding on Wolf's devastation and the horror of all the blank faces around her. All these people used like marionettes. She believed what she'd said before. Lavana could kill her, but Cinder had to believe her death wouldn't be the end. This revolution no longer belonged to her. Yeah, exactly that. The revolution no longer belonged to her. Yeah, no. I I do want to add in add in there, like, so, because Cinder is controlling Wolf at this point. Uh-huh. Like while they're while they're standing there, she all of a sudden feels his grief and looks down and realizes he's standing next to her, next to his mother's body laying on the ground. And like, not only is she having to deal with all of her own emotions in that instant, she then just gets hit like having to deal with his emotions at that same moment. Like I can't imagine. Well, and on top of that, keep in mind, Cinder's loss of Peony is still a very fresh wound. Mm -hmm. So that grief has kind of been inside of her for months under the surface. She's been able to sort of... Compartmentalize it. Yeah, because she's got everything else going on. And now she's feeling someone else's grief. And I think that that would... uh, Is trigger the right word? I think so. It would trigger, trigger her own... Yeah, her um, own oh, emotional distress. Yeah, along with everything else that's going on in this moment, I just I feel like that would be incredibly emotionally overwhelming, and then having to deal with like bodily being moved and taken captive yeah. of, like a super upsetting. So, we ready for chapter titles? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so um. I, again, when we had originally started recording this, this was a few weeks ago, and I was in a very, like, early 2000s alternative rock and, like, hard rock mode. Um, 
so my song choice was Bodies by Drowning Pool. Um, and like the unfortunate part of like the bodies are hitting the floor, like people are dying. Like it's starting, it's starting to get uh, real now. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say too much about it because the more I start thinking about it, the more like upset I'm getting at my song choice. Cause like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, ch- again, my love of 21 Pilots is going to show. Um, I chose House of Gold by 21 Pilots. Um, so I really feel like this song is a good chapter title for a Maha and Wolf chapter. And I thought it would be fitting that it would be this chapter, which is why I chose it. Um so some of the lyrics are she asked me son when i grow old will you buy me a house of gold and when your father turns to stone will you take care of me i forgot about this song (laughs) bro (laughs) getting you in the feels it is yeah and let's say we up and left this town and turned our future upside down. We'll make pretend that you and me lived ever after happily. That those lyrics, especially, I thought fit this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good choice. So I chose Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler, which I want to say is self-explanatory. But I have to keep in mind that many of the people listening to this podcast are so young, they might not know who Bette Midler is. <laughs> She's one of the witches from Hocus Pocus. Wait, which witch is she? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't witch. know actor names. She's the head witch from Hocus Pocus, okay. the one with the curly hair, the one says... <laughs> Okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, and this song is about uh, someone else um, lifting you up and being the reason that you're able to succeed. Um, I don't know if I can just like read the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) It must have been cold there in my shadow to never have sunlight on your face. So I was the one with all the glory while you were the one with all the strength. Did you ever know that you're my hero and everything I would like to be? I can fly higher than an eagle for you are the wind beneath my wings. I'm picking out phrases that I think are the best, but not only every person in this chapter who's willing to, everyone who stayed silent, everyone who didn't say Maha's name, everyone who did say Maha's name. These are all people that without their strength, without their allegiance and loyalty, Cinder wouldn't have a revolution to defend in the first place. Uh And then on top of that, we have Maha. Maha who lost her son, both of her sons and her husband in the name of the queen Uh and who got one of her sons back And in a moment where she could have grabbed her son and ran and hid for the hills and tried to protect just him, she has the strength 
and the courage to walk out there knowing that she might die and never see Wolf again. She has the strength to walk out there and say, yes, I'm Maha. Yes, I support Princess Celine. Do your worst. Yeah. And I don't think there's a braver thing in this world that we've seen. Um, So this was the song that came to my mind because I, I feel like that's what this song is. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about quotes. Okay, so my quote is, I do not know that name, said Maha. The cyborg I know is named Princess Celine Blackburn, and she is the true queen of Luna. Uh, I love Maha. I love her. I love her, too. So I already mentioned it, but it's the... No one is dying for you. If anyone dies today, it will be because they finally have something to believe in. Don't even think about taking that away from them now. It's just such a good quote. It's perfect. That's the kind of thing that could go on a poster. That's the kind of thing that, like, is the phrase of the revolution, you know? Oh, yeah. I have... I had several for this chapter. Actually, Caitlin and I picked the same one. (laughs) And so I ran back to my chapter and tried to pick a different one. Um, And actually going through today's chapter, I kind of want to pick a different one than the different one that I chose because of the first one that I chose. (laughs) (laughs) So I want my quote to be, um, if anyone had forgotten why they were risking their lives for a stranger, Maha's statement reminded them. After everything we've talked about in this episode in these two chapters with Maha I just that kind of strength is so incredibly admirable um and the fact that she was willing to sacrifice her life to remind them why they're there and why they're fighting back yeah it's it's chills definitely yeah um so big thank you for listening to my voice this week Oh, there was one Easter egg. The bonus word captain appeared once and the bonus word hair appeared three times. Next week, we are going to cover chapters 41 and 42. And I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but today is the three-year birthday of Prince Kaifi and Pod. Oh, yeah, it is. I completely forgot. Happy <laughs> birthday to me. <laughs> Happy birthday, Prince Kaifi and Pod. Happy birthday. I'm looking forward to many many more years we've got lots of books ahead of us yep and i've already requested two chapters in heartless because Heartless <laughs> oh, is my did. favorite i get that sometimes i'll get messages from people and i'm like hey it's your turn for an episode and they're like oh i want to save my episode for renegades and i'm like well that's five years from now so do you <laughs> want to do an episode now <laughs> and i'll save yeah. that chapter for you in five years yeah yeah, but like as soon as I joined Patreon, I was like, hey, can I please do these two chapters in Heartless? <laughs> but you can do other stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I love Heartless. If you need a filler in for Heartless, I, I don't even have to read anything else in the book. I can just hop in immediately. Yeah, I've read it so many times. That's how I feel about Drew from Of Slippers and Spindles. Like, I even told him when I did that episode with him, I was like, I was like, I hope you're emotionally ready for me to constantly be like, hey, want to do an episode on Heartless? 
Yeah. <laughs> I would no always be like, heartless. I can talk about Heartless forever. Like, Heartless Speaking is one of, of my favorite favorites. was so good. If anybody got a chance to watch it besides me, I loved it so much. It is also on YouTube. Yes, and it was magic. It was magic in the world. I loved yes. every second of it the second time. And I really want an album. Well, I mean, you can play it on YouTube and just listen to it. I, I do. Don't worry, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I had messaged you that day like, oh, hey, let's do a live chat. And then I fell asleep. Oh, did you? I did. That's I was so very, funny. I was very tired. That's so funny. Lindsay fell asleep and then uh, <laughs> she had been working like, oh, poor girl. She worked like through 13 hours that day or something. Oh, my gosh. Um, and she was on her feet like the whole day. And uh, she said she like woke up when when she like screamed off with their head and was just like, oh, my God, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that last line. Oh, Anyways, please go watch and support Heartless the Musical. Um, thank you very much for listening to my voice today. I apologize that it's not a voice of a human being. <laughs> Quentin said I can be Marge Simpson if that woman ever retires. That works. Yeah, I like the Simpsons. I'm okay with that. I want to be a part of predicting the future. <laughs> Um, that's it, I think. So, yeah, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram. Check out Patreon. Happy three years, Prince Kai Fan Pod. Thank you both for being here the first time and the second time. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Anytime. Um, Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Bye. 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 The audio clips you heard today are from Rebecca Solaire's performance of Winter by Marissa Meyer, a Macmillan audio production. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guests were Morgan and Caitlin. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening.